effect. We gave it a little preamble last week. Talked a little bit about Reed, who is uh, sitting down to play it for the first time Mm -hmm. in the form of the Legendary Edition. I have been tempted all weekend to fucking buy that thing and play through Mass Effect once more, but I've so far been strong. Uh, So this will be kind of interesting. I love Mass Effect uh, for a number of reasons. Reed, I was hoping you would get hooked on it. I I had no doubt that you would. This last weekend, I'm to understand, you had a few marathon sessions of the first Mass Effect. Yeah, so I've been streaming the entire Mass Effect Legendary Edition so far on my Twitch, twitch.tv slash Doors. And I'm uploading all of it to my YouTube as well, Doors at YouTube as well. Uh, but yeah, absolutely having a great time with it. I fucking played like 12 hours this Sunday and streamed the whole thing because I like was super into Mass Effect 1 and it just pulled me in. It's a good uh, book, man. Can't put it down. Yeah, once I got to like Noveria and stuff. So I've already been Mass Effect 1 because of that wow. one huge grinding day. Fuck you, Saren. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I've moved on since to um, Mass Effect 2 and I'm now a few hours into that. And, like, I, man, I have so many things I want to talk about in regards to Mass Effect 1 and why it's uh, so successful, in my opinion, and, yeah, how, and how unique it is for me. So, like, as you know, I've said on this podcast before, I'm a huge Kotar fan. Uh, Mass Effect we 1. We know! <laughs> Mass Effect 1, in a lot of regards, is the exact same game. But there yes. are improvements, and in some cases, uh, I, I would say not improvements in some, some ways. Uh, what I love about this game in comparison to a lot of RPGs of this kind, where it's usually like you have a bad, a good, and a and a middle option. It's not it's not like New Vegas where you could have like every emotion on the spectrum available on your list to choose from, but it's good enough. Um, whenever I play in a game like this, if it's like Kotar or whatever, I'd always be like, alright, this is going to be the Paragon playthrough, or this will be the Renegade playthrough. The Mass Effect was, like, the first game that I was like, no, how about, like, I have a very specific kind of personality and way I would treat certain people or certain situations, and despite my own personal feelings of what I think is best for gameplay, I'm going to choose that option. That's uh, how I always play. Yeah, yeah, so it's like I chose a role play and I actually stuck with it throughout the entire thing, which I don't usually do. I usually get sucked in by game mechanics, and I really like to min-max. Uh, this right. just, like, the RPG guy in me. But this game was just like, because uh, it's not like every decision was difficult or tough or anything, but they were all very interesting choices because mm-hmm. everybody that you came across was such a was such a character with so much personality. And that's the other thing I really like about the game is how effortless like these characters are. Like they're not trying to make these characters some like weird. Um, personality trait that you've never come across before. These are very classic character templates. Like Garrus is like a like a like a classic hard boiled ac- cop. Yeah, hard boiled <laughs> cop action hero who doesn't play by the rules and like, damn it, give me your badge. And he's Rex- uh, he's kind of like the worst kind of cop because he's like uh, <laughs> law, order, and justice, but also. Yeah. A bit uh, revenge driven. No, yeah, he's just like, he's just like oh, political. It gets in the way of me just. And then Mass Effect Two, the dude's just straight up killing people with no like <laughs> uh, cause for reason or anything. But yeah, yeah. so he's like, not even a specter. Yeah, and then like Rex, Rex, they're just like, what do we do with Rex? Well, why don't we just make him like a badass Texan? And like, it's great. It works. Like within five seconds of meeting Rex, you basically know everything you need to know about his character going forward throughout the rest of the game which is fucking perfect. You compare that to something like Mass Effect Andromeda, 
And like everybody, I, I mean, a... do we need to talk about masculine Andromeda here? When <laughs> and, we talk about it at the very end. Fine. Yeah. Fair. I'm just saying that uh, like the characters are night and day because they're all very distinct, classic, easy personality traits to understand. That's a big strength of Kotar in that same regard as well. Yeah. Um, so this was. I mean, to give it some backstory, Mass Effect yeah. was the first game, I think, Bioware released after KOTOR. In, in, this was in 2007. KOTOR if was 2003. What what Andrew at work has told me was Mass Effect 1 was originally going to be KOTOR 3 until they repurposed it to be Mass Effect. Which, good. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so the first game, a little more primitive in, in terms of gameplay and, and shooting mechanics and abilities and stuff like that. They streamlined that in the later games and make them a little more action-friendly. That's not to say that they are lesser RPGs, uh, but in terms would, of dialogue and, I would and say, stuff like that... I would say yeah. they're, they, Mass Effect 2 so far has actually been a quite a bit of a lesser RPG. Mass Effect it, I mean, 1, yes, on, Mass, on paper. Yeah, uh, Mass yeah. Effect 1 <laughs> is an overabundance of skill trees and points to pour in, which I like personally. Yeah, uh, so people are split on that. People, there, there are a lot of people who said in Mass Effect 2, you know, fantastic, great follow-up, but I wish they had kept more of that deep RPG blood in there. But, you know, it works out. Uh, and Mass Effect 2 accomplishes, uh, first and foremost, the narrative uh, is is what's the most important thing in here. Of course, you have the dialogue wheel that games have been copying as recently as Fallout 4. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the patented dialogue wheel. And, of course, as you mentioned, the Renegade and Paragon options. You are not uh, penalized from choosing these. However, if you choose them more often, you sometimes will get uh, very specific, unique dialogue options uh, later in the game. Of course, Renegade is the more awesome or uh, <laughs> downright mean uh, choice to make, whereas Paragon is, is more benefiting everyone, the morally superior choice. Uh, and if you if you go back and forth on these, it'll make Commander Shepard seem a little bipolar, uh, but that's fine. You can, of course, Commander Shepard is the role you play in this game, a soldier, uh, who becomes the first human specter. Uh, you are uh, operating under Anderson, who is the captain of the Normandy. Uh, let's just stop right there and talk about the fucking world building uh, that Bioware does in the opening two hours. Like, basically from the opening mission uh, to when you get to the Citadel and start to unlock Codex stuff. And you went ahead and did what everybody does, which is listen to the whole Codex, I believe. Yeah, I listened to it after I was done the game, basically, to get a lot more backstory about everything that I So much context. Yeah. And, and, and told, like, they, they, they're just long enough that you get the fucking point without droning on. Uh, and you have that, you have, a, they're all voiced. Uh, so you have a guy just kind of reading them to you like it's fucking Encarta. Uh, and they're telling you about these, like, the alien races for me, for example. Like, learning about the Elcor and being like, well, what an interesting alien species. Let's go to the Codec and learn why they look like this, why they talk like this. It's all there. Yeah, and, uh, it's, and it's all it's narrated so rich. very well, too. Mm-hmm. And in, de- in general, what you're saying about the dialogue is totally true, too. Uh, because everybody is a military person, they have an excuse for every character to get to the point of what the conversation is about in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. So in another game, you could be like, oh, explain to me the magical, mystical quest or whatever the fuck. But in this game, it's just like, Commander Shepard here, what's the situation? Oh, Shepard, we need to get into that building and evac some civilians. All right, I'm going in. Boom, done. Right, here I go. Uh, yeah. The other thing is, uh, my mind is completely blank. Uh, so you can kind of have a choice whether or not you deal with the bureaucracy of the Citadel. Uh, and of course, when humans discovered the mass relay, the first uh, tribe they ran into was the Turians, and there was a first contact war. So humans entered the scene uh, doing what humans do, which is killing other creatures. <laughs> uh, the Citadel races kind of stepped in, and, and there was a truce and everything like that. We learned that the Citadel... 
uh, th- there are three races, species, whatever you want to call them, that sit uh, as as basically the top of the citadel, and that's the Asari, which are the blue aliens. Uh, I won't say ladies because that's kind of ambiguous to the to the race. They yeah. appear to you as what you want them to appear to you as. Uh, so we see them in humanoid form, uh, but Salarians might see them more as lizard people, etc. Uh, you have the Salarians, uh, who are a very short-lived race. They have a really high metabolism. They barely live to 20. They are super intelligent. Uh, they look down on most of the other races in the Citadel because they just think they're dim-witted by how slow they are. Uh, I should mention the Asari also live hundreds of years uh, and thousands go through many different years. phases of their life. They go through uh, thousands our, of years, by the way. And also the Turians like struck, yeah. and also the Turians <laughs> struck first against the humans. The humans did not strike first. Oh, okay. So... <laughs> That's what they want you to believe, man. Uh, there's also the <laughs> Fake Krogans, news. <laughs> uh, which are kind of like the Klingons. They were not a spacefaring race. The Turians uh, asked them if they wanted to join the their, basically, the army, and they voluntarily joined. However, uh, they started populating out of control on other planets when they were basically allowed to spacefare before they were ready, and the Salarians had to devise a genophage, which cost them... Uh, basically generations of newborns. Uh, so this is something that's in the background that we, we learned a little bit about later and throughout. Uh, yeah. There are a number of other alien species like the Hanar, uh, which are the jellyfish guys, the, the Elcor we already talked about. Uh, there's the Volisk, which are the little short guys. Um, there's the Keepers, which are a mysterious kind of like bug guys that hang out on the Citadel and maintain it. It is illegal to investigate them, which is always interesting. And it's very Star Trek as well, saying it's illegal to do something or like with no reason given is kind of mysterious. Uh, the Citadel itself was not not built by any of these races, Reed. Uh, the Asari came upon it. They just found it in space. Showed up. The Keepers were already there taking care of it. The Asari uh, established it. The Salarians joined them. The Turians later. And now the humans are vying for a spot, uh, thinking they're high and mighty and important, even though they're the new kids on the block. Um, and of course, from the point of view of the humans, humans are very versatile. We're very... Foolhardy. Uh, the other alien races see us as kind of like uh, young, dumb, and full of cum, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> and and Commander Shepard here becoming the first Spectre is very important because they basically have a license to kill. You are a Spectre. You can kind of do what you see fit around the galaxy. As long and as the Citadel's going to back goal. you. Yeah. yeah. As long as you accomplish uh, your goal. There is also the Quarians uh, who live in a flotilla. They created an AI. Uh, they created the Geth. Uh, who drove them from their homeworld. Uh, so the Quarians now live in a flotilla. They don't have a homeworld to call the, their own. Uh, therefore, they have a whole bunch of, of actual genetic problems with them where they can't really handle air <clears throat> and uh, being exposed to to the elements, which is kind of interesting. Uh, and they also go on pilgrimages to bring stuff back to the ship. They are vastly interesting. And their yes. relationship with the Geth going forward, uh, without spoiling anything, there is a character in Mass Effect 2 that is like top three and uh, completely changes your entire view on that situation uh this game is absolutely phenomenal so it takes place in the year 2183 uh the, sorry that's when the humans find the mass relays uh we we know about the protheans uh through the opening mission where uh first of all they're killing people right off the bat uh so you know party members are vulnerable in this uh in this universe uh we get our our main party in this game is ashley caden tally garris rex and liara uh we learn about Saren. Uh, Artarius, I believe is his name, which is like the best bad guy alien name. No, and it's like something. So, fun fact before this, actually, uh, the other Spectre that you run into before Saren, then the guy that Saren portrays, who is a fellow Spectre, is named Nihilus. Nihilus yeah. clearly being a reference to Darth Nihilus of Kotar 2. There you go. Yeah. It's, it's like 
poetry, it rhymes. Yeah. So the Mass Effect universe, some it, it establishes itself somewhere between Star Trek and Star Wars. It presents an idyllic future where all these races are working together, living together on the Citadel, and that uh, open trade and stuff like that are great. However, on the Star Wars side of things, there are smugglers, bounty hunters, people breaking the law constantly, and huge threats to the universe. Yeah, uh, which is also something Star Trek shares. Yeah, I guess, there's but. still bars and strippers and poker and like drugs, like uh, <laughs> and like I said about the characters that earlier, dust. They, yeah. there are characters very reminiscent of Star Wars in a sense. Where Star Trek is a lot of um, you know idealistic people. Star Wars is like you got you got your rogues and your funny guys and then you got your damsels, you got your badass women and that's what Mass Effect has too. It has Garrus who like you said earlier is that beat up cop and shit like You're that. You're pretty taken so. with Garrus, eh? That's your Gar- Garrus is pretty <laughs> awesome. No, but I'm just saying that's I think that's what makes the universe so strong as well is um believable characters even though they are alien to us as opposed to characters like in Star Trek who are very alien to us but are human yeah there's a there's a bunch of other stuff we didn't even cover here you get to kind of choose the backstory of your shepherd which doesn't ultimately change a lot of the game no uh, but it does, yeah it's, there's a bunch it, of other alien uh, races and stuff we come up with the balerians balerian those guys with all the eyes what are their name balerians i don't know bognarians god oh batarians batarians thank you so the game opens and we're gonna almost have to call it quits here for the day but uh Saren is uh fucking around he's he's got geth under his employ he's fucking around on this planet you show up and touch this beacon uh the protheans apparently even though they were super advanced left a answering machine of their entire being in the form of like a giant spire that you just go up and touch and you're, you get mind fucked i guess <laughs> um i i don't want to spoil anything that happens later in the series so when it comes to story beats and things uh that obviously I know more about. I'm going to just play dumb and let you go through this game and tell me your choices, and then I'll tell you my choices. Right. And I won't imply what happens later, because a lot of the things that happen in this first game do resolve in the third game. Whether or not you you agree on how much time they're given is up to you, but something like the Rachni, for example. Okay. The Rachni Queen uh, is something that, that comes back later, later on. Uh, Rex, uh, whether or not he makes it out of this first game... Uh, I, I'm assuming you know that Rex can uh, cannot make the credits, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, no. Uh, when I was streaming, Andrew, who also works here, was in my chat, and he was just like, he's just like, be very fucking careful coming up. And I was like, okay. And the general vibe you get during that part anyway is like, okay, this is a big decision. Whether, yeah. you know, it's pretty easy. So, so in Mass Effect 2, and I'm not going to spoil anything by saying this, <clears throat> but they take that Rex moment, and they kind of crank it up to 11. And oh. uh, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So yeah, Saren's uh, up to no good. He is a specter. He is a Turian. Uh, so he holds a little more clout in the Citadel than a human would, especially if you and Anderson are the only ones uh, with allegations against him. And the Citadel and the uh, what are the council, are they called the council? The council. Uh, they're, they're reluctant to believe what you're saying about Saren up front, even though Saren is, he's there, present, clearly up to something. And after the fact, they basically give you carte blanche to be like, figure it out, uh, Shepard. See what you can you can do. Um, and you learn about, like, what do you know about the Reapers so far in Sovereign? Me? 
Yeah. Matt, you really don't remember a lot about Mass Effect 1. No, I know all of this. I'm asking you what you know. Oh, so in Mass <laughs> yeah. Effect 1, you meet Sovereign, you have a conversation with him, you understand that the Reapers are the ones that, bit this, that built the Citadel, not the Protheans. That's all just one big cycle so they could advance whatever race emerges to the highest peak of their uh, evolution and technological advancement. Then they get them to activate the mass re. Uh, so they get them to activate the mass relay that's inside the citadel that'll pull the reapers out of deep space. So the reapers can. For, and I I don't know why yet. And God damn it, Shepard has asked this question a lot. She's just constantly like, "Why the <laughs> fuck do you guys do this?" And the reapers always just like, nah, nah, nah. "That's for us to know and you to find out, yeah. human." So like they keep they keep as like like. They keep guessing that, like, oh, maybe they want slaves and also resources and also technology. Maybe they're hoping that one race, like, manages to build a technology they weren't able to. Uh, who knows? So I don't know that much yet. And then you basically stop – you shut the fuck down Sovereign at the end of Mass Effect 1, obviously, no matter right. what. Uh, so Mass Effect 2 is basically just the Martin Sheen being like, we need, we need to stop the Reapers. Why does he have a lisp? That's what he sounds like to me. Okay, fair. Um, uh, yeah, so basically, Martin Sheen and Cerberus, who are humans, acting on human interests, uh, devoid from the council, basically. And, you know, a lot happens with Cerberus in the games, you'll see. Um, but that's all the way in Mass Effect 2. We still have to talk about one. <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. We're, we got a lot to talk yeah, about. We got to would... talk about the entire story of Mass yeah, Effect I would, 1, and so I don't would... worry. Yeah, and I really would like to talk about how uh, the character interactions and their quest lines... Mm -hmm. And stuff like that. And, like, the absurd fucking inventory system of Mass Effect 1. <laughs> We've set the table. Uh, we're going to talk about weapons, combat, character interactions, building your character, and then using that character and uh, and navigating the different moral choices of the first Mass Effect. Uh, and then we'll, we'll go on from there. So a great first start of the conference. I'm very excited uh, to get to more Mass Effect. And I believe you me, if I get through this weekend without downloading Legendary Edition, I'll be surprised. Read. Yeah. It's time. It's time for Mass Effect. Oh yeah, body break. So last time, uh, we talked about the world building of Mass Effect. We talked about the very uh, basic plot setup of what's happening, who everybody is. We talked really briefly on the party members. We talked about the choice system and just generally how this game works. We didn't get into character building. We didn't get into uh, the different classes you can choose in this game, the weapons, the inventory, uh, and then the general gameplay I think we can drive home before we just kind of go through the plot of the first Mass Effect game and talk about the decisions we made and why. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, what what kind of character did you build in this game? So I went with a Vanguard. Um, sure, that's a good one. Yeah, I man, so like I've been playing so much Mass Effect 2, it kind of gets melded. Before I remember, it was basically just your standard um, uh, standard defensive biotic warrior, so you get access to, like, you know, push and all that shit, which is all fine. 
Um, I really like how in Mass Effect 1, you, how you have just an exorbitant amount of skill, tr- like skills and points to put into them. I'm the kind of guy that loves going into a menu every so often to do that. So I was really sure. surprised by that. And then, of course, I went with Femme Shepard uh, because I always play females in games like this whenever it gives me the option to. Um, and voiced by the wonderful Jennifer Hale, which has been in a billion things. Metal Gear Solid is Naomi Hunter. Uh, fucking... And, and numerous others. And, <laughs> it's, it's escaping me, but like if you look up Jennifer Hale, you'll, like, you'll see that she's in a billion things that you've seen or watched. Um, so that's, that's not great. just video games either. It does a lot of, uh, yeah. Baldur's Gate, Mass Effect, Mill Your Solid, yeah, anime, uh, Knights of the Old Republic. Dubs, yeah. Um, tons of Bioshock shit. Infinite. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's what I went with. Cool. Uh, then you have your, uh, your, your backstory. You get to choose between three spacer colonist and earthborn. Uh, I regret to inform you that these don't really have a, he- there's a few little bits of uh, flavor text throughout. Uh, this also gives you a head start on Paragon or Renegade points, depending on which one you choose. Uh, Spacer, both of your parents were in the Alliance military. Your childhood was spent on ships and stations as they transferred from posting to posting. Never staying in one uh, location for more than a few years following your parents' footsteps, you enlisted at the age of 18. So basically, uh, maybe a little more worldly, a little more aware of space and planets and alien races around you. This gives you an automatic plus 10 Paragon points. Uh, Colonist, you were born and raised in uh, Mindyore. A small border colony in the Attican Traverse. Uh, when you were 16, slavers raided your uh, your home planet here, slaughtering your family and friends. You were saved by a passing alliance patrol enlisted in the military uh, to take take your racist revenge. Uh, there's a lot of that in Mass Effect where it's just like, aliens showed up and fucked, fucked my family, so now I'm a soldier. It's like, uh, maybe you should put a put a space between those two things. That, that like that's Then you end up with Ashley Williams, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, Earthborn, you were an orphan raised in the streets of the great metropolises covering Earth. You escaped the life of petty crime and underworld gangs by enlisting with the Alliance military when you turned 18. That gives you plus 10 renegade points because you're like a street urchin. And then I forgot to mention, Colonist gives you uh, five of each. Um, yeah. yeah so which one did you uh, Which one did you choose, Reed? Uh, so, I chose the, um, the survivor. So, like, you survive the attack where it kills everybody. And then once it gives you... The- that's the next part. That's the psychological profile. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I, that's yeah. what I chose for psychological profile. And then I did, like, the colonist where, like, you're on a colony and slavers came and killed everybody. And you were rescued by the Alliance. So, I went with an edgy character. The basis of my Shepard roleplay that I was going to be doing for this playthrough was... Yeah. Um, kind-hearted to allies but ruthless to enemies in a sense um Mm. so we'll do the right thing when able but if you have crossed female shepherd or her allies or if you have bad intentions she will not hesitate to end the person's or alien's life for the benefit of everything else uh makes the hard decisions when you have to but if there's ever even a hope of doing the right thing then she will try to uh which has been working great in mass effect 2 there's been tons of situations where it's like it seems like there's only going to be one right way or wrong way but luckily i have enough paragon points to do the right thing um to put it in an easy sense i'm usually running at full paragon but i still have about 25 percent of renegade filled out sometimes you gotta put a fool down yeah you know yeah uh, during your service, this is Soul Survivor, during your service, a mission uh, you were on went horribly wrong. 
Uh, trapped in an extreme survival situation, you had to overcome physical torments and uh, psychological stresses that would have broken most people. You survived while all those around you fell, and now you alone are left to tell the tale. Hopefully you didn't eat them or something, but that gives you uh, five Paragon, five Renegade, and gives you some unique dialogue. War hero, early in your military career, you found yourself facing an overwhelming enemy force. You risked your own life to save your fellow so soldiers and defeat the enemy despite impossible odds. Your bravery and heroism have earned you medals in recognition of the Alliance feat. Uh, which is the Paragon uh, boost. Ruthless, throughout your military career, you have held fast to one basic rule. Get the job done. You've been called cold, calculating, and brutal. Your reputation for ruthless efficiency takes your fellow soldiers makes your fellow soldiers weary of you. Uh, but when failure is not an option, the military always goes to you first. And that gives you the Renegade. Then your military specialization. You have the choice between soldier, engineer, adept, infiltrator, sentinel, and vanguard. Um... So, so you've played through the beginning of Mass Effect 2, and, you know, they basically piece Shepard together yeah. uh, after that. So usually in my own headcanon, I play the first game as a soldier just because it, the shooting is as good as anything else in that game, uh, which is to say passable. And uh, usually just go with that. And then in the second game, I, I have a headcanon where, like, okay, now Shepard gets biotics. Like, they put Shepard back together and made him or her better. Uh, so they've they've implanted, and then I usually go Vanguard, and then maybe mix it up for the third game as well, which I believe they give you a uh, a prompt to change it once more. Uh, there's a new game plus option and all that kind of stuff, but that's basically how you build your Shepherd, and then immediately out of the gate, you're making uh, text choices and and decisions in the story. That again, you can go against any number of these things. It'll give you some unique. Uh, dialogue, uh, the other characters are saying to you, or you can say to characters, but beyond that, uh, you kind of forge your own way at that point. It's kind of your own RPG uh, backstory of the character, and if, like you said, if you're role-playing, like you are, uh, it, it helps to influence your decisions. A lot of people will get to decisions, and they're like, morally, regardless of how I've built my character, I am having trouble with this decision, but if you lean on how you've played your character, it, there's never a question. You know immediately what Shepard will choose, and then it's up to the game to try to make those situations so complex uh and and the whole series is, is good at that as far as i'm concerned yeah. um thereafter so that's mass effect you build your character you have the whole thing on uh on the planet there at the beginning where you touch the spire or whatever it is and uh shepherd gets a vision of the reapers and uh we know saren's up to no good and uh possibly being used as a pawn of these reapers and shepherd is basically given command of the normandy uh, to run as he sees fit is get, granted uh, Spectre status, a license to kill across the galaxy, do what you must to defend uh, the, the peoples of the Citadel and, and the console races. Go. Uh, so, Reed, I'm going to hand it off to you to uh, to tell us where we go out the gate in Mass Effect. What comes first? I have an idea that you go to find um, Ma Matriarch Benezia, right? Right. You have to do a few things here. Uh, you have to go to one... <laughs> I don't remember, like, the, the finer de Like, the overall plot of Mass Effect 1 is very basic, and that's just, like, recruit a few people, stop Benenzia, go to Novaria with Arachni and stuff like that. Um, you have to go to an asteroid just to uh, recruit... recruit um, uh, what's her name? Um, Look Laria. at a storyline here. La Liara. Yeah, Liara, yeah. sorry. You go, so you go to an asteroid field to recruit Liara... While you're there, you Liara. realize that, yeah. that she has been, uh, Liara, sorry, she has been captured by the Geth. The Geth are using a big fucking plant alien called a Thorian. The Thorian possesses, uh, mind-controlling abilities, which he tries to use on, uh, Liara, essentially, but you stop the Thorian. Uh, it's not, Thorian doesn't end up being, like, a really big deal for some reason. At least that's what I remember mm -hmm. in my playthrough. 
Um, so you stop the Thorian. You basically ju- it's basically just a big excuse to get to Liara in your party because when you're on the Citadel, that's when you get Rex and Garrus and basically your entire party. Once you have recruited your entire party is when you have your your three big story missions after that. And that's the thing about Mass Effect 1 is that you only have like very few big story missions. So you have to go to Novaria to stop, like you said, Benezia, who's there, who's Liara's mother. Uh, she also has been controlled by Sovereign, who when you go there, you learn that Sovereign is has like some weird field on it that will bend the person's will to Saren's. But then mm-hmm. you learn eventually throughout the same planet that Saren might himself actually be in control by Sovereign. Because mm-hmm. once you reach a certain point in that planet, Sovereign is talking to you. And it's revealed that Sovereign like, is not just a ship, but a fucking reaper. And is essentially a herald for their race. He divulges a lot of exposition about how the Citadel isn't actually built by the Protheans. It was built by the Reapers. It was purposely built so people would fucking... Uh, advanced Hang out there yeah they would advance to such a high level of their evolution and technology and then they would fuck up call the reapers back through the uh citadel because it's actually in itself a giant relay the reapers would come and then what they do exactly when they come hasn't been divulged as far as mass effect one is concerned and not yeah. fully yet in mass effect two either and that's essentially when you leave novaria and I'm glancing over the Rachni part, by the way, because I'm, I'm sure... I've got, I've got the plot in front of me now, yeah. so we can run it down in order. Yeah. Okay, yeah. and then after that you have um, Vermeer. I think there's a place you have to go to before Vermeer as well. That's just a big fucking makeup on it. But yeah, sorry, you go now. Oh, I, okay, sure. Uh, yeah, Novaria <laughs> is the uh, the whole thing with the uh, blah, 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 the Rachni, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. This is, this is really detailed. This is maybe probably more than I, I needed right now. But uh, yeah, when you're on the Citadel the first time, we already talked about the party members. Yeah. Uh, you get Garrus, Rex, Tally. Boo. Uh, sorry. I've got the, soda, the spicy soda here, Reed. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, as the Chambers of Watch Music, Commander Shepard becomes the first human specter and is tasked with hunting Saren down. Captain Anderson steps down as the commander of the Normandy and hands the ship over to Shepard, along with some useful leads. There have been reports of Geth activity on the planets Novaria and Pharos. Also, Matriarch Benezia, Saren's ally, has a daughter named Dr. Liara Tassoni, a Prothean expert who may have useful information. Right, that's, Shepard's, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's when you go to recruit her on the asteroid. Yeah, uh, Shepard's alien uh, allies pledge their support to the commander's cause. Tally joins the crew wanting to help the uh, fight the Geth and prove herself. If Shepard didn't work with Garrus or Rex during uh, the case to expose Saren, one of them will be waiting by the elevator uh, to the Normandy's docking bay requesting to be taken along for the ride for their own reasons. And Shepard may either welcome them uh, to the team or refuse them after giving the crew a speech aboard the ship. Shepard is now in command of the Normandy. So there's the Liara part, as you mentioned. Uh, you learn that the Geth uh, are working with Saren. Uh, for for one reason or another, in Mass Effect One, does it kind of reveal what's going on there? Yeah, that the absolutely. Geth are kinda... So the Geth, yeah. since the Geth are an AI based system, they are se- yes. they have sentience. Um, they believe that the Reapers, even though they have not met them in any capacity, are like uh, such a higher evolution of their own being that they are essentially gods. So they have formed yes. like a weird quasi religion about bringing them back because that's just what they. Like that's they, they they have no higher purpose, so they have created a higher purpose for themselves. Right. So now right now, based on where you are in the story of Mass Effect, you're speaking of the Geth as like a hive mind. Yes. Uh and, and that is kind of elaborated on later, that you learn that just because these Geth think that and do it, uh there might be more to it than that. Uh which is which is really cool. Uh like the Geth to me are the are the coolest race, let's call them. 
uh, in Mass Effect just because of their arc over the over the course of the games and how they're fucking used and abused by everybody. And you're basically just told, like, yeah, they're bad machines. They got sentience and thought they knew better and fuck them. Uh, kill them with... with Without mercy. Yeah. Uh, Shepard arrives at Novaria and discovers that Matriarch Benezia recently arrived. She and Saren are uh, in- investors in Binary Helix, which is a lab on Peak 15. Benezia has gone there on business. However, the lab has since issued a Code Omega signal, meaning there are critical problems and a blizzard has cut off shuttle access. After wrapping uh, with Administer Anolis. <laughs> Shepard manages to get a garage pass and drives up to Peak 15. The facility is deserted, save for Geth and bizarre creatures revealed to be the supposedly extinct Rachni, who are like bug guys. Yeah. Uh, Starship which have troopers. escaped from the yeah, uh, which have escaped from the lab. Shepard uh, reactivates the station's uh, VI Mira. Uh, who goes to the Rift Station uh, looking for Benezia. Rift Station is full of science uh, staff sheltered from the Rachni attack. Shepard can help them out, but gets attacked by those loyal to Benezia. Uh, the squad finds out that Binary Helix discovered a Rachni egg that turned out to be a queen, and were trying to breed an army of, from her brood until the Rachni turned on them. And again, the, the, the way the story is told to you is always... There's always subtext. There's always something between the lines. So you're being told, hey, we tried to breed these Rachni and they fucking turned on us. Well, they didn't turn on you. They're the last of their race and you're imprisoning them. Yeah. Uh, down in the labs through the maintenance area, Shepard finds Benezia with a Rachni cl- uh, queen. The matriarch attacks the squad. But after a fierce battle, Benezia manages to overcome the indoctrination, which is uh, what you were referring to earlier, that Saren has used to control her. So you're trying to say that the indoctrination that Saren has the power to use over people might be being used on Saren himself. No, by it is actually, it yeah. is confirmed being used on Saren yes. himself, you yeah. find out later. And actually, yes. if we can go quickly back to the rat, well, I guess we're not going back. We're at, yeah, we're, we're getting there. We're at the uh, rat yeah. <laughs> part. But what I love about Mass Effect and what they've done with this is that everything is like very easily related to one another, even if uh, you're not picking up at first. So you realize uh, through earlier parts throughout the laboratory that the Rachni went extinct because they had a war with the with the Krogan, Krogan? because yeah, yeah. the, the Rachni were running rampant. So and then you realize that the Krogan uh, went to war with them because they were uh, they were breeding incredibly fast. And then you realize right. that after they killed the Rachni, they had too many Krogans, so the Salarians had to create the Genophage to limit their reproduction. Otherwise, it's the like Kro- poetry it rhymes. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. the Krogans would have <laughs> fucking killed everybody. It's it's really fucking cool. It gives you reason to bring a go- bring along a character like Rex because on the hope that they might be some unique dialogue for something yeah. like that. It's really fucking cool. Saren wants the location of the lost Moo relay and sent her to retrieve it from the Queen's genetic memory, which is some, like, Assassin's Creed shit. Uh, Benezia doesn't Benezia doesn't know what else he is planning. She heads to the coordinates over to Shepard, uh, but becomes lost uh, to the indoctrination again, and the commander has to kill her. Uh, after deciding what to do with the Rachni Queen, Shepard leaves Novaria and Benezia's date, uh, data and a piece of the puzzle. So, uh, the Rachni Queen... This is an extinct thing. We know they're bad, quote-unquote. We know what we've been told about the Rachni. Reed, did you spare the Rachni queen? I did because she she explained that her people have been tainted by a bad song, essentially. Like, the, her people yeah. like communicate through music or some shit. Um, and she said that her people were tainted by bad song or were implied to have been mind-controlled by somebody. Right. So, the song... 
Okay, I don't want to fucking spoil anything. Right, no, the, I think they imply yeah. in Mass Effect 1 that they, their song was being controlled or influenced by the Reapers? Yes. Yes. Um, so, so that's why they were big assholes, but she, <laughs> yeah, but then the queen elaborated that they're not tainted currently and they will not be bad and they'll leave everybody alone and they'll be good people. Uh, so, right. so, and I believed her at face value because my shepherd would not kill unnecessarily in this case. Like, right. although she's ruthless, she has not been given reason to believe that this race is actually hostile because she's been given enough evidence or believes them enough anyway. And you have context. You have you have literally a, a matriarch or whatever, the Benezia, uh, who is very strong-willed, very strong of mind, uh, who, who is basically yeah. indoctrinated beyond saving to the point where you have to kill her. Yeah. It's not hard to believe that the Rachni, that their song was perverted uh, by saying and, messages from deep space by the fucking Reapers into trying to fight, yeah, right? The so. biggest role-play reason, however, I gave for myself was if the Reapers are coming back, the Rachni might be useful allies as such right. the Krogan. So in Mass Effect 2, there's lots of talk about curing the Genophage. So that's yes. my same thought process is I need to get the Rachni and the Krogan back to fight this shit. That's right. I also saved the Rachni Queen and uh, your your... Uh, the fallout of that will be felt later in the series. Uh, Pharos. Drawn to Pharos by rogue Geth activity, Shepard and the squad arrive at Zeus Hope Colony, owned by Zeogeny Corporation. Uh, the colony has been suffering repeated Geth attacks, and the settlers there are acting strangely. Shepard clears the Geth for the colonists and uh, takes the Mako along the uh, Prothean Skyway to the main Geth base. Uh, the squad finds a small group of colonists who have become separated from the others, led by Julian Bainham. Uh, and a nervous exogeny rep, Ethan Zhang. Uh, despite their situation, these survivors seem to be coping better than Zub's hope. Uh, before they leave, Julian asks Shepard to look for her daughter, Lisbeth, uh, whom she believes to be still inside the Xenogeny headquarters. After making their way inside Xenogeny headquarters, Shepard's squad finds Lisbeth scared but alive from the company uh, VI. Shepard discovers that the corporation has been experimenting with the mind-controlling plant, the Thorian. Oh, okay, I was and, uh, mixing up where yeah. the Thorian was. My bad. Yeah, uh, and that Zoo's Hope is actually a testing ground for Zeogeny to study its abilities. Uh, Shepard disables the force fields and the Geth have that the Geth have set up by knocking the Geth dropship from the headquarters and uh, returns to the Skyway group. Zhang has received word that Zeogeny wants Zoo's Hope destroyed. Shepard deals with Zhang and heads back to deals with him and heads back to Zoo's Hope to find the Thorian. Uh, controlled by the Thorian, the colonists attack Shepard on site. Thorian creepers generated by the plant augment the mind-controlled colonists' forces. Uh, Shepard has can use the special gas grenades that instantly kill the creepers and harmlessly paralyze the colonists, then descends uh, beneath Zeus Hope to find the Thorian. It is an enormous creature that looks nothing like a plant. It creates a Asari clone uh, to speak for it, but only to tell Shepard that it's not interested in bargaining with meat. After battling waves of Thorian creepers and clones, Shepard manages to destroy the Thorian's neural nodes and kill it. The Anasari emerges from the Thurian pod and manages to explain what happened. Shepard learns that Saren sacrificed this Asari ally, Shiala, uh, to the Thorian Shala. to gain the Cypher. Uh, this is the cultural ancestral experience of the Protheans, which is necessary to understand the vision that the Eden Prime Beacon put into Shepard's mind. Freed from the Thorian, Shiala uh, transfers, the, <laughs> transfers the cipher to Shepard with it. Once Shepard has had time to adjust, the vision will be made more sense and hopefully lead them to the conduit before Saren. It's actually just people slipping Shepard some acid or some shit. He's like, whoa. Yeah, they use some peyote. They just put him in a tent <laughs> in the desert. The Reapers are coming like, back. <laughs> so tell us what you see. Uh, Vermeer. 
the console can't uh so another thing we have to talk about throughout here is when you do these missions you have an audience with the council which is some of my favorite parts of mass effect one where you could just be like a rude asshole <laughs> yeah, to them. fuck you <laughs> uh, but the best part is like you you try to play along but as soon as they get snippy with you like as soon as the the turian or the uh the salarian like starts giving you some fucking lip i just end the call <laughs> so good. Yeah. this is what happened oh yeah you couldn't have done it better bye click uh <laughs> Or jo- console context, yeah. Fuck or Joker's uh, context like, Shepard- uh, "Hey, should I patch you through to the count uh, to the Citadel?" And you're like, "No, and that's it." Yeah, Shepard's just like dead ass. No, <laughs> <laughs> fuck him. Uh, the console contacts Shepard with another possible lead uh, when two of the three initial leads are investigated and dealt with. A Salarian espionage team on Vermeyer investigating reports of Saren's activity has uh, sent a mission critical transmission that was lost in static. Shepard lead heads to Vermeyer. And uh, meets with the the leader of the Salarians, Captain Curry. This is basically the final mission, by the way. Yeah. Uh, They have found a breeding facility for Krogan uh, that Saren has been using to create an army. Curry, realizing he's not getting the reinforcements he needs, asks for Shepard's help destroying it. And they develop a plan. While the Salarians distract Saren's Geth, Shepard will take a team around the back and plant a nuclear device uh, that will wipe out the facility. Curry asks Shepard for a squad member to help him coordinate the attack. Shepard can choose Ashley or Caden to help the Salarians. Reed, who did you choose? Uh, Caden? Oh, no! No, it doesn't matter because (laughs) your choice of who lives and who dies comes after this, Lee. Okay, good. Yeah, so Uh, so as far as who you send to help who, it doesn't matter. It's purely for the purpose of separating those characters. If Rex was allowed to join the team, I assume you took Rex with you. Oh, of course. Uh, the commander must also deal with him before proceeding to the greater mission. Rex is furious that Shepard is willing to destroy a cure for the genophage, a Salarian bioweapon which makes Krogan breeding next to impossible. Shepard either talks Rex into staying loyal, guns him down, or allows Ashley to gun him down. Uh, Ashley will will not hesitate to kill anyone who's not a human. <laughs> Ashley, in any of the dialogue you have with Ashley, comes off as extremely racist and bigoted. Uh, and very high on herself, considering humans are, like, the fucking yes. fuckboys of the Citadel. She's always, like, trying to speak for Shepard. It's very off-putting. Right, so fuck Ashley, yeah. right? Uh, leading the strike team... Also, Ashley Williams was the name of uh, the main character in Evil Dead. Oh, I thought it was just yeah, Ashley. Well, Ash is short for Ashley, Reed. Okay. Please. It's a, it's a unisexual name. Groovy. There are dudes named Ashley out there. Believe it or not. Uh, leading the strike team, Shepard reaches, reaches the facility but discovers his main purpose is not to breed Krogan, but to study Sovereign's horrific indoctrination effect. In Saren's private lab, uh, the team finds another Prothean beacon and gives Shepard another vision, and they are controlled by a hologram of a. Uh, well, they're sorry, they are confronted by a hologram of Sovereign himself, uh, which is not a Reaper ship, but an actual Reaper. Sovereign reveals that the mass relays on the Citadel, blah, 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 as we talked about earlier, declare Shepard's attempting to stop the Reapers from returning to be futile before heading towards Shepard's position. Shepard manages to get the nuke set up uh, across the facility, only to get a call from that the Salarians are being attacked with heavy losses. The commander takes a group to help them, but as they leave, the Geths start attacking the nuke site, and Shepard has to choose both Caden and Ashley are in trouble, and there's no time to save both. Once the choice has been made, Shepard brings reinforcements in, only to be confronted by Saren. He tries to make the commander uh, join his cause, but Shepard refuses. Fighting Saren off, Saren gets away, and the team board the Normandy, escaping Vermeer as the nuke destroys the facility, killing either Caden or Ashley, depending on Shepard's decision. Who'd you send in, Reed? Uh, I fucking killed Caden. 
Um, nice. So the cool thing about the cool thing about that, I will say, is that Caden will now be talked about as like a hero. <laughs> and if you let a- like if Ashley does that huge racist speech she does with uh, Rex there, and she's just like, "Let me kill him. He's not. He's, he's scum of the earth." Uh, and then you send Ashley on the suicide mission. They talk about Ashley like she's a decorated war hero after this. <laughs> like that bitch doesn't deserve that. No. Uh, anyways, so that's a that's a major one. Obviously, Rex can die there, and he's just gone for the rest no, of the series. I, if you let him luckily, die there. I smoothed everything over with Rex, so I had no problems there. Me and Rex are cool. Me and Rex are great. Uh, yeah, no problems killing Caden. He was a fucking nobody character. I didn't talk to him at any point. Like, <laughs> what, is, what is this guy gonna have to say? Like, I grew up on Earth. Fucking boring. Uh, you got aliens right there, dude. Why am I not talking to the aliens? Yeah. I already know what your ass looks like. Yeah. <laughs> Commandeering the Normandy, thanks to the undamaged beacon on Vermeer, Shepard's Prothean vision is now complete. During the debrief, Liara touches Shepard's mind oh, mm. to interpret it fully. Shepard, allow me to fully interpret your mind. Uh, the vision had, was a distress call intended to warn the Protheans about the Reapers. <coughs> Liara realizes that the landmarks in the vision are uh, on Ios, Ilos, Ilios, a planet she has studied. Uh, Ilios, uh, she has studied as part of her Prothean research. Ilios uh, has been impossible to reach because it is only accessible through the Mu Relay, which is why Saren needed the relay's location from Novaria. Uh, no- Nova- yeah, right. Uh, after the debrief. Uh, Joker has a message for Shepard from the Council. They're putting together a massive multi-species effort to face Saren. Oh, so guess... Yeah, look look who was right after all! <laughs> Fucking Council. Useless pieces of shit. <laughs> Thrilled the Council are finally taking this seriously, Shepard returns to the Citadel, wanting to personally lead the assault, but once back at the station, Shepard discovers the Council are only putting up a blockade around the mass relays to stop Saren reaching the Citadel. Neither they, nor Ambassador Udina... Uh, believe Shepard's story about the Reapers and that they refuse to send a fleet to Isla. Man, this you know what this kind of reminds me of? And I don't know how, how uh, familiar you are with Harry Potter. Uh, but if we compare the threat of the Reapers to that of Voldemort, uh, in the very first Harry Potter book slash movie, it's very clear that, that this dark wizard is back and making a, uh, making a play for his White evil plan. Walkers. Sure. Yes. Exactly. No one's gonna believe that zombies exist. Blah blah blah. Why? Why? Like, you're living in a fantastical world, in Mass Effect, in Harry Potter, in fucking Game of Thrones. Why are so? You're sitting at a fucking long table with aliens, <laughs> you live, you, and you, Shepard comes in and he's like, "Here is documented proof that there is an alien uh, race out there that is coming to fucking obliterate yeah, like, you all life." You're looking at a blue fucking skinned alien race that lived for like thousands of years. Fuck. Yeah, and like, you're like, oh, a, a giant deep space race that's coming to wipe us out? No, don't no, believe it. Don't Impossible. Believe it. Yeah, no one believes Voldemort is back this until like the fourth just book. Read where he's my standing fucking in front mind, of him. and I don't believe that Reapers are coming back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Moo Relay is in the Terminus system, uh, and a Citadel fleet there could start a war. Shepard knows the Normandy's uh, stealth systems can take them there discreetly, but the Council are getting tired of Shepard's insistence that the Reapers are a real threat. Udina, wanting to make nice with the Consul, locks out the Normandy systems and grounds the ships. Thanks, Udina. Uh, frustrated knowing that Saren is close to f- uh, finding the conduit and they're losing time, Shepard is grateful when one of the squad uh, offers support but a real breakthrough comes when Captain Anderson gets in touch, asking Shepard for a discreet meeting at Flux so they can get fucked up. 
see some alien titties. Uh, Anderson believes the commander's story and knows the Normandy. Anderson's like the biggest bro uh, through the entire fucking series. Uh, believes the commander's story and knows the Normandy is the only ship that can get Shepard to Ilos. Uh, he is going to unlock the Normandy systems, allowing Shepard to steal the ship and take her to Ilos. Shepard is concerned that Anderson will be arrested and charged with treason or worse, but Anderson sees his future as a small price to pay for stopping genocide on a galactical sta- uh, scale. Shepard goes to the Normandy and waits with Joker on the bridge with Anderson's help and the Normandy systems are unlocked and they escape the Citadel heading to Ilos. Uh, so Anderson, just a huge bro here, uh, overrides the system knowing it, it could mean his his life uh, or, or imprisonment forever, uh, but he, he trusts his own soldier that he is, he is served with. He believes Shepard's story thoroughly and uh, believes in the threat and uh, fucking, uh, fucking A. Anderson, let's just say that. Um, Shepard has the option of developing a romance with a crew member during the course of the uh, chasing after Saren, and the relationship comes to a head right after, uh, right before the trip to Ilos. The crew member visits Shepard in the captain's quarters, and they may either spend the night together or keep the focus on the mission. And this is why this game got all the press it did, because uh, there is a sex scene. Yep. There's a Xbox 360 ass <laughs> sex scene in this game and uh you did, did you look up any of them on youtube no, or anything like that no i'm saving myself for garrisley oh wow you're chased yeah. <laughs> the chased commander shepherd uh so in the first game i uh i chose liara as a romantic option and the way it's presented in that game is less like uh, uh, uh how do i put this less romantic and more like interesting more like Let's let's fuck the commander of the ship. Let's uh, it's part of it's you you are a small part of Liara's full experience, let's say, and it comes off as Aragorn, and and it was Glad who's the who's mm. who's Liv Tyler playing fucking Lord oh uh, um, say Gladriel, but that's the witch in the no uh, fucking no just stop for a second. Read please. Just stop for a second. Elrond's just daughter. Stop for a second. <laughs> um, Arwen. Thank you. I knew you, you wouldn't be stuck too long. Uh, it kind of comes off more like that. Like, uh, at the time, she seems to really care for this man who will be dead in 30 years and she'll go on to live for thousands. So it seems to her more like a a part of her, her story. And then in the subsequent games, uh, what's interesting is that if you decide to pivot away from Liara and, let's say, uh, pursue Tally or something like that... Um, it, it becomes a thing. You get unique dialogue where Liara is actually kind of butthurt that you <laughs> you move on. So uh, that's kind of interesting. Uh, but you you didn't you chose not to you, you, the chaste Commander Shepard. No sex until the mission is done. Uh, that's that's no. I that's just no. I just wanted to, I just wanted Garrus and you can't romance Garrus in Mass Effect One. Yeah, yeah. That's it. I didn't want to romance Liara. Fuck. I don't like Liara. That's life, baby. Uh, later, Joker announces that they're about to pass through the mo- later. <laughs> Joker announces announces that they're about to pass through the move relay, and that soon they will arrive at Ilos. Uh, Shepard sees that Saren has already arrived with a fleet of Geth dropships. Uh, though the Normandy stealth systems are keeping them safe for now, Navigator Presley picks up some readings on the planet, confirming Saren's presence. However, uh, they cannot find a landing zone. Uh, Shepard suggests dropping the Mako, but they need about 100 meters of open terrain for a safe drop, and Presley can only find about 20. Joker insists that he can do it. The Mako, this is Joker's like big heroic moment. Uh, the Mako is successfully dropped outside an ancient bunker, but Saren and his Geth have already made it inside, shutting a heavy security door behind them. An ancient ruins security door. <laughs> uh, 
Shepard looks for ways to get uh, to the other side of the bunker doors. After fighting through Geth left on guard, Shepard and the squad find a security station and reopen the bunker doors. While in the control room, Shepard discovers an ancient Prothean recording, which is heavily damaged. The cipher allows Shepard to make out some of the words. It's another warning uh, about the Reapers. <laughs> the cipher allows Shepard to make out with it. <laughs> yeah, the uh, se secret romance option. You make out with the cipher <laughs> at the end of the game. Uh, it's another warning about the Reapers, but it's not. Uh, but it's just too broken up. It's just they, like they record all that shit it's on another like the Reapers are real. Shepard's like, fuck, I know. <laughs> Listen, I understand it's been like fifty thousand years since these recordings were made, but I've seen people like wander into abandoned shacks that are exposed to the elements, and they find like VHS tapes and like old old audio recording tapes that still work like uh, like perfect. And these guys have to have technology. I mean, they got huge security doors. This shit should be more well-preserved, I guess is what I'm trying to say. After driving past cryogenic stasis pods all apparently shut down, Shepard sees a mysterious energy barrier. As the Mako reaches the barrier, another barrier appears behind them, trapping the squad inside. The only way out is through a door at the side of the wall. After heading down an elevator, Shepard finds an ancient Prothean VI named Vir uh, Vigil. Who has information Shepard needs to stop the Reapers. Vigil unveils a startling revelation. The Citadel is actually a trap. A huge mass relay linking to dark space outside of the galaxy where the Reapers are waiting. The Keepers are presumed to be the one of the earliest races to be indoctrinated by the Reapers. Who uh, set them the task of maintaining the Citadel and activating uh, the Citadel relay when Sovereign signals them. It is also revealed... Why at that point wouldn't you just kill all the Reapers... Or the Keepers, rather, and, and uh, hire some janitors, you know? Yeah, I don't know. It, uh, is also revealed that Sovereign is the vanguard of the Reapers. After every Reaper attack, they leave behind one uh, of their kind to act as a vanguard and to monitor the development of the galaxy's races. Once the galaxy uh, races are sufficiently advanced, the vanguard will activate the Citadel Relay and usher in the next genocide. Yay! The reason the Reapers harvest in the galaxy of all advanced organic life approximately every 50,000 years is currently unknown. According to Vigil, not even the Prothean scientists could comprehend why they did it. Uh, they may have driven by goals that organics find impossible to understand. Once the galaxy is harvested, the Reapers uh, return to dark space to hibernate and conserve energy. In this state, they are apparently vulnerable. So they always seal the Citadel relay behind them. When the Reapers last attacked about 50,000 years ago, their genocide of the Protheans lasted for centuries. Took them centuries to hunt down and kill all the Protheans. Ilo's personal, uh, personnel hid in cryogenic stasis, watched over by Vigil. However, as his energy reserves ran low, he followed a contingency plan by shutting off pods of non-essential personnel to conserve energy. Hoping that when the time was right, he could safely open the pods, in the end, Vigil managed to save a dozen scientists. Uh, the few remaining Protheans on Ilos traveled to the Citadel through the Conduit, a small prototype mass relay built by the Protheans, uh, enabling a one-way link from Ilos to the relay monument in Citadel Presidium. The survivors altered the signal that the Keepers respond to and prevented them from activating the relay to dark space. So, let's unpack that. Uh, the last of the Protheans uh, came back to life. There was about a dozen scientists. They were able to fuck with the Keepers, which is now illegal in current times. Uh, and which is why I guess it's illegal is that we, we don't want to fuck with them because right now we are actually blocking the Reapers from, from showing up. 
Uh, Vigil also explains that if Sovereign assaults the Citadel alone, the combined power of the Citadel fleet would be enough to defeat the single Reaper. However, if Sovereign is able to direct an agent to go through the conduit as a backdoor and transfer control of the Citadel back to Sovereign, it will be able to manually activate the Citadel relay and bring in the rest of the Reapers. Sovereign made... Uh, had possibly planned this for centuries after discovering the Prothean sabotage plan. Vigil gives Shepard a data file uh, that will give the commander temporary control of the Citadel to stop Sovereign. After leaving Vigil, uh, Shepard heads through the archives down into the old aqueduct guarded by Geth and reaches the conduit Saren had already gone through, leaving Geth to stay guard. Meanwhile, the Sovereign uh, sorry, uh, begins its assault on the Citadel, escorted by a large Geth fleet, Matriarch Ladania. Uh, the commander of the Destiny Ascension attempts to close the Citadel's arms, but the station doesn't respond. The operators in Citadel control are all dead. The console are forced to evacuate aboard the Ascension. Saren has begun his attack from within. Back on Ilo, Shepard sees the conduit is closing fast. Rushing to the conduit, Shepard evades the Geth in process and drives the Mako through just before the relay closes. On the Presidium, now burning and heavily damaged, two Geth troopers notice a blue glow around the relay monument. When they go to take a look, the Mako suddenly bursts through and crushes them before rolling over and crashing against a wall. The race to stop Saren is on. Uh, so are you are you like you're all in when this is going down? Like the the you see the climax coming. You you understand what the threat is now. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> the Battle of the Citadel. Uh, what can be said here other than uh, Sa Sh Sovereign shows up, Saren's there. You gotta shoot Saren a bunch of times and kill him. Yeah, well, like everybody says, apparently that so you can, you have two fights with Saren essentially here. You have his first fight, then you have his like basically when you take him down, uh, he gets possessed by Sovereign and gets resurrected as like a weird robot thing, and then you have to take him down as the actual final boss fight. But the thing is about the first set where you're just fighting regular Saren is apparently if you choose a right enough dialogue options, I did not do this. Um, you can get Saren to shoot himself. Uh, like, you basically break his indoctrination for a second, and Saren's like, ah, oh, fuck. Like, yeah, I've been compromised. I'm fucked up. And then he shoots himself, and then he gets taken over by Sovereign anyway. Um, so I like I like the character of, of Saren. They expand on him in, in some novels. I don't know if you ever get so into Mass Effect that you want to read books. Uh, but th that moment... Uh, is really cool for the character. Like it feels like really earned that you get that quick glimpse of, uh, it's like Phoenix at the end of, uh, X-Men last stand. Where she's just like, kill my ass because I'm not in control. Uh, that Saren is actually like a faithful specter and that this whole time he's been acting against his will. And once he's given the chance to, he tries to take himself out for you is, uh, is a cool thing to do with a bad guy at the end of a yeah, game. Yeah. Everybody at work said that I should have did that, but I didn't. So, uh, yeah. You you wanted to shoot him in the head. That's okay. <laughs> uh, Saren's got Krogan's too in this uh, in this fight here. At the moment, Saren appears and throws a grenade. Shepard's team is blown again. Uh, side. Shepard's team is blown. Uh, while the commander takes clo uh, cover close to Saren, he urges Shepard not to be a fool. Everything is lost if Shepard continues resisting Sovereign. Saren boasts uh, that his faith uh, fla what faltered. But Sovereign uh, has implanted him, made him party, uh, partly synthetic, perfect. Uh, this is the future of organic life. Shepard can't believe Saren allowed Sovereign to implant him. I want you to remember this for Mass Effect 3, because this is something that they don't... Basically, Saren has cut a deal with the Reapers here. They're like, we're going to make you perfect. We're going to put synthetics in you and make you better. 
Uh, you'll be like us. And the whole time, Saren thinks he's making his own choices to do this. That he's like, yes, please, implant me. Meanwhile, he's just being mind-controlled the whole fucking time. Um, Saren's story is a bit tragic in that in that regard. Uh, Shepard can attack uh, Saren right away, or by talking him down, the more Shepard talks, the more Saren is convinced, but his uh, it, Reaper implants cause the Turian intense pain when he begins to agree with Shepard. With enough convincing, Saren thanks the commander for freeing him before shooting himself in the head. Whether Shepard killed Saren or Saren kills himself, he then falls to the bottom of the chambers, falling through the glass floor and being impaled on a large shard. Uh, using the central console, blah, 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 we... Uh, so, here's your last kind of major decision of the game here. Uh, the Fifth Fleet, just waiting for the commander's word, once the mass relays are unlocked, Shepard has to decide between sending the fleet to defend the Destiny Ascension to save the Council, or letting the Council die, uh, focusing on Sovereign. Once the orders are given, Joker brings the fleet through the nearby mass relay as Shepard opens the Citadel's wide arms. Reed, did you save the Citadel, or did you save the Council? I saved the I, I focused all my efforts on the Sovereign, so I did not save the Council. Now, there is a distinction here, because there's three options here. You, yes. you either can say outright, fuck the Council, and that's your renegade option, because that's you not save... That's not you choosing to focus on the Sovereign, that's more you focusing on trying to kill the Council... Then there is the op- more- then there is the option of then there is the option is unfortunately I have to let the council die because we need sovereign to, to be destroyed here we can't we can't let this opportunity slip past us and then there is yeah. like the no we need to save the council option so I chose the middle ground which is like unfortunately the council needs to die because we need to stop sovereign which is perfect for my shepherd right. Uh, as the needs of the many versus the needs of the few. Yeah, it's like I can and also fuck the council. I can three people die, or I can save the entire fucking galaxy, and that's what I'm going to do. Uh, as the fleet engages the ships outside, Geth drops six, uh, drop, drop ships and Sovereign itself. Shepard tells the squad to check on Saren to make sure he's dead. They drop down to the bottom of the chambers. One coldly shoots Saren in the head, while the other confirms uh, the kill to Shepard. Suddenly, Saren's body begins to twitch. As his implants fire up, burning his flesh away until he is a cybernetic construct like a husk, completely possessed by Sovereign. Uh, the shockwaves from his transformation cause the platform to collapse and Shepard falls into the bottom of the chambers. The squad fights back against the creature, uh, but it is fast and it is deadly. Like a turd in the wind. Uh, outside the Normandy is leading the attack against Sovereign. The Reaper unleashes a terrible weapon that burns through several Alliance ships, but the fleet is slowly getting the upper hand as the squad finally destroy the cybernetic creature and it burns away to ashes. Sovereign begins to weaken under the Alliance attack and releases its grip on the station. A blast from the Normandy is the Coupe de Grace as, uh, as the Reaper is destroyed in the chambers. Uh, Shepard looks up... Uh, to see a huge piece of debris from the Reaper falling straight through the tower. Uh, Commander yells, the squad take cover just as it hits. Much later, rescuers enter the tower looking for survivors under a pile of rubble. They discover Shepard's team, two of them badly wounded but alive, leading the rescuers. Captain Anderson helps them out, assures uh, them it's alright, and asks where Commander Shepard is. One of the squad looks sadly across the chambers where the Reaper debris has crashed into the floor. It would uh, have crushed anyone standing under it. The rescue team helps the squad out of the chambers, reluctantly believing Shepard died in the crash uh anderson looks back to see someone moving commander shepherd with an injured arm manages to climb out from the debris limps towards them and smiles so the epilogue here as a resort of uh, as a result of shepherd's decisions uh there are four outcomes to the story the alliance fleet saves the council this is the paragon ending in gratitude for the sacrifices of the alliance fleet and shepherd's help they offer humanity a chance to become a council race 
Uh, the ending is almost the same as the Renegade one, but the Council meets Shepard in the Presidium. Again, Shepard can nominate either Udina or Anderson to be the human representative, and they decide to unite all of the Citadel races against the coming threat of the Reapers. Uh, should you uh, choose to save the Council, uh, the Alliance saves the Council Renegade ending. is also possible to have the Renegade version of the ending. The ending is pretty much the same, with the main difference being that the Council thanks Shepard within a dark room and the background ominous music is playing. The dialogue being somewhat different, whereas the Paragon ending has the Council praising Shepard's selflessness and heroism and stating that humanity is ready to join the Council. The Renegade ending has the Council impressed by Shepard's ruthlessness and determination to succeed, at first thinking uh, that such an in- indomitable... Uh, what? Will? Yeah. Uh, Will made humanity stubborn and even dangerous, but now realizing that this is what makes them strong, thus making humanity a powerful ally, possible uh, by having the renegade shepherd save the council. Okay. Uh, The council is destroyed, Paragon ending. Uh, The alliance forms a new council, and they also nominate a human chairman. Uh, If anyone, if you choose Udina, you're like the biggest idiot, right? That that fucking asshole almost killed everybody. He locked down the Normandy. (laughs) Uh, then the other Renegade uh, ending where they are destroyed, basically same deal. Nope, uh, Paragon ending. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's gonna no, do there's, it. There's that's... there's the Paragon ending where you kill the where the council's dead, where basically uh, Captain Anderson and Udina come up to you and they said that the council will be reformed with the same races and they're also going to hire on a human one to lead it, but not like so. How it goes into Mass Effect 2, Lee, is if you got the Renegade ending where the Council is dead, um, yeah. the entire Council next will all be humans. There won't be any uh, aliens on it. If you got hell yeah, brother. Yeah, if you got the <laughs> if you got the Paragon version of the Council being dead, then the Council will still be made up of aliens. It'll just be led by a human instead, aka Anderson. Right, uh, and and what a guy to lead it. So. Everybody believes the Reapers because one showed up and tried to fucking shoot lasers into your ass. Uh, so going forward, what happens next? Well, we'll probably save that for the next episode. Reed, what are your impressions of Mass Effect 2 so far in terms of story? And uh, you you were really high on Mass Effect coming off of Mass Effect 1. You were intrigued by the story. Does Has Mass Effect 2 let you down? Is it interesting in other Mass ways? Mass Effect 2 has far too much recruit this person mission and do this person's loyalty mission. Um, as far as actual plot goes, there's not a lot going on. It's just, uh, collectors are working for the Reapers. Collectors are also used to be Protheans, which doesn't really matter when you think about it. And it's just more of the same. It's just Reapers are coming. Uh, I like the mystery, the intrigue of Mass Effect 1. So in that regard, I think that Mass Effect 2 is a downgrade as far as story goes. Um, I do like the characters more. I think the characters are a lot better in Mass Effect 2. I think the gameplay game plays obviously a lot better. Um, I wish it was a bit more RPG. Like I wish there was more skill trees I could go into. I wish there was a bit more things I could equip on the fly. Um, yeah. Overall, I think it's a very different experience from Mass Effect One, so it's hard to compare them in a lot of ways. But I, I'm enjoying it. It's weird that they because in Mass Effect One they set up this galaxy spanning genocide event. And then you think, okay, well, now immediately we have to go find those other Reapers and destroy them in deep space or whatever. Uh, but, uh, like, the Normandy gets blowed up. You learn about Cerberus and what they're planning. You learn about the Collectors. And suddenly there's this this other threat to deal with. Right. But the game, yeah, the game itself focuses on what was one of the major strengths of the first game, which is characterization and personalities. Right. And, and building relationships. Yeah, what's yeah. very strange about the story, too, is that the ending I got, which was the Council is dead... It's still made up of aliens, but is now led by Captain Anderson, a.k.a. my buddy. 
Everybody should be aware that the Reapers are a thing. We were literally fucking attacked by one. We have evidence of it. Um, But the whole purpose of Mass Effect 2 is that Cerberus says no one else gives a shit about the Reapers except for them. When, logically, I should just be able to ring up Anderson and be like, Yo, dude, Reapers are coming, right? And he'd be like, Yeah, fam, I got you. And then, like, that should be that, right? Um, it's it's yeah like the the threat has been suspended like we took out the harbinger we we made it so that they can't come through this mass relay everything's good everything's copacetic we don't have to worry about this genocidal threat right. only what should like they're gonna find a way yeah, what should right? have happened at the end of mass effect one is anderson saying like nobody still believes the reapers are here they all think that was an isolated incident but i'll try to convince them in the meantime yeah. thanks shepherd everyone's going on holidays yeah. we're <laughs> uh yeah, it, I, I like the dynamic. I like, you know, you have to consider these games as they came out. Uh, so the Reaper threat, while it was a major part of the first game and the main plot of the first game, essentially, uh, it sets up a sequel where, yeah, we can we can take a break. But then in somewhere in that, they decided, no, this will be a trilogy. And then the, the third game kind of reach like really rushes into that Reaper threat. Uh, you'll, you'll, I mean, you'll see. Um, that's not to say that Mass Effect 2 isn't a, a fantastic game, and again, if you like the characters and you like the way the game plays, it's it's the best one. Uh, but in terms of the intrigue of the Reapers and the actual plot of the trilogy, it's the lightest on it, which is kind of interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. Uh, when do, when do you think you'll you're probably getting near the end of Mass Two? I at still this have point. some missions to do, but yeah, yeah. Probe those planets. Uh, <laughs> have, a, have a relaxing time. I think that's going to do it for this week, right? Yeah. Effect. Last week, we covered uh, the entirety of the the main plot points of the first Mass Effect game. I don't know if there was any side content you wanted to highlight specifically. No, not particularly. I think we pretty yeah. much covered all you needed to for Mass Effect One. Mass Effect One on paper, the synopsis can be very small. It uh, it it feels richer, deeper with how much world building there's going on in that game, uh, and that includes all the dialogue and stuff throughout and those quests. Same thing can be said even more so for Mass Effect Two. Reed, tell me your impressions of Mass Effect 2 having finished the game. Um, I left Mass Effect 1 a lot more. Um, Mass Effect 2 was a good game, a good follow-up, I thought. But that being said, I thought Mass Effect 1 is just a superior title. I think there is more of a intriguing classic story in Mass Effect 1 with, a class, with an actual villain. Uh, Mass Effect 2 felt a lot like, okay, recruit people... There's one mission here where you can stop the collectors. Okay, now go do the final mission and the game's over. Um, it felt very much like not a lot happened. Yeah. It felt like I recruited a lot of people that I'd never ended up using because the roster was too big for me to ever hope of using everybody on an equal amount. Let's run them down. Yeah. Garrus Valkarian is back. Grunt is uh, your Krogan for the evening. Uh, Jack, 
I, I thought you were. Uh, did, did you roll Jack a lot? Yeah, I played or? a lot of Jack. Jack is one of my yeah. main main companions. Uh, Jacob Taylor, Kazumi Goto, which is one of the DLC characters. Legion, who is my favorite Mass Effect character. Uh, Miranda Lawson, Morden Solis, Samara or uh, Morinth, and uh, Tali Zora, of course. Uh, Thane, who's excellent, and then Zaid, who doesn't need to be in this game. Yes, so I yeah, that's my thoughts. Is I thought the roster is far too big. I think when you have a roster that big, you have a lot of characters that end up just being incredibly similar to one another in playstyle, uh, and you're not going to be using them as much. Therefore, you don't build a personal connection with them. So by the time you get to the end of the game, you're like, who gives a shit? Uh, for the end of the game, I did successfully get nobody killed. So through pure luck, I I bought without, without a guide. You just you yeah, just without a guide, fucking did it. So I saw this screenshot of Mass Effect where it showed like on the galaxy map like ships chasing after the Normandy. So I'm like, oh yeah. shit, maybe that comes later. Mass Effect Two. I better buy all of the ship upgrades. So I did. Right. It turns out later that um, you needed to buy like at least three of them, and nobody would have died. And yep. then everything else, Lee, is, like, really fucking easy, to be honest. Um, well, well, Reed, careful now. <laughs> no, seriously. Um, the, so, so the end, basically, look, without spoiling too much, because I'm sure we'll get there in the story, but you basically have to assign people to certain tasks. Unless you're a complete fucking idiot, you can't fuck this up, because it's like, hey, we need a hacker. All right, don't send grunt, basically. So here's what happened to people is they would send the wrong people earlier on. So then later when they were like, we need a this, you've already given away your characters. I'm going to tell you something about this mission. I also completed it the first time without losing anybody and no guide. Uh, a lot of people end up losing one or two characters in this fucking mission. I don't, I don't understand how. It's like even if you, I, even if you yeah. send like Legion as your commander for your squad, you still have Kasumi or fucking uh, – like Miranda to hack the thing for you. Even if you send Garrus to be your squad leader, you still have Grunt to defend the point for you. Uh, unless you're a complete fucking idiot and not being paying attention to these characters and what their strengths and weaknesses are, you cannot fail this part, in my opinion. I think the only difficult part as far as keeping your characters alive is buying those ship upgrades because you have no reason to buy them because you're like, why the fuck? Why would I buy these? I'm like, so you don't lose characters at the end. Yeah, that, 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 that's it. That's it. <laughs> Um, so the roster was too big because by the end I'm like, okay, I sur everybody survived and going to Mass Effect three, and it felt like half these characters like didn't even exist for me, like Saeed. Well, consider, yeah, if the intent was that some of these characters are meant to die, and then your Mass Effect three. So, so the, I guess the idea at the time was just like, yeah, your Mass Effect three experience will be vastly different based on how many characters you lose. If you if you move forward with everybody, well, then you just get the payoff for everybody if there is one. Yeah. Uh, and it would be it would be a real big bummer to lose someone like Tally uh, in two, knowing what the payoff is in three, especially if you chose her as your your romantic interest. Yeah, I um, I absolutely think they should have cut that roster down by half or to eight people, perhaps. I think twelve is far too much. Great, who do you lose? Uh, Saeed, Samara, uh, Kasumi, um, <laughs> and probably Jacob. Yeah, you need Legion. Yeah, uh, Miranda's I, important for the plot. I get Grunt. why I get why Jacob's there because he's trying to be that bridge between like, oh, maybe Cerberus aren't such bad people, but Miranda can serve that purpose too if you write her a little bit better. Um, yeah, but Samara, but Samara is totally unrelatable because she's literally like, I am a biotic thousand year old god, 
and I'm above you petty humans, so I can't relate to her. Legion is awesome because he is literally a fucking robot, like, geth, and just fun dialogue and stuff. Um, so he has to stay around. Uh, but yeah, Samara's fucking useless. Like, what, uh, what are your thoughts on the geth now after two games? Uh, geth are pretty cool. I, Yeah, like, geth are pretty fucking cool. Like, they're not my favorite race. Like you said, I think Corians are my favorite race. I, uh, I'm really, well, I like, didn't say the geth are my favorite race. I just said Legion was my favorite party member. Yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, and so, so yeah, I thought the roster was too bloated. I can't speak for uh, Samara's daughter if you saved her instead of Samara. Uh, I can't say how good of a character she is. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, I thought the whole game was just a lot of, like, recruit this person, and then you have two missions to fight the collectors, and that was it. Martin Sheen did a good job as the elusive man. Um, but overall, I felt like this game was just, like, 90% a lot of nothing happening, and then 10%, okay, like, you stop the collectors, but guess what? The Reapers are still coming, so, like, who gives a shit? It de- so, like, my, my thoughts on it, and I don't know if th- this could be have, have been talked about at lengths elsewhere, is just, like, it was, e- it was EA, it was a hit, Mass Effect 1 was, and it was, okay, uh, do how long can we spin plates uh, in, this, right. in this universe before we have to actually pay off the Reapers thing? And the answer was one game. Uh, but what a game. Like, it's, it's still... It's uh, really fa- good. Yes. <laughs> Like, the writing's really solid, the shooting's good, the abilities are fun, uh, like I said, like, the conversations are interesting, their lore is very deep, you go to lots of planets, uh, I, like I said, I was just missing that Mass Effect 1 intrigue, where you have yeah. an actual plot, and... Did you probe Uranus? I did not probe Uranus, no. Oh, god damn it. What are you doing? This is video <laughs> games, Reed. Uh, but yeah, that's, like... <laughs> I'm sure next episode we'll actually talk about the actual plot of Mass Effect 2, which will actually be fairly short for the most part. Yeah. Um, but those are my overall thoughts on Mass Effect 2. I think Mass Effect 1 is just a better video game because it's more of an RPG and you have uh, – you just it's more of a concise, simple thing. This is just like an action game with lots of dialogue because you have so many characters – one thing I hate about Bethesda, I mean, about Bioware games like this, whether it be Kotar, fucking Dragon Age, or um, Mass Effect, is after every mission, you get that anxiety feeling that you need to talk to everybody. Yeah. And, like, get all their conversations done. But there's four fucking levels to the Normandy in this game, and there's 12 goddamn companions. So you're running around to, like, fucking 12 people and just spamming dialogue to see if anything <laughs> new has happened. Like- Poking his head into everybody's barracks, just being like, "Good, hey, yeah, hey yeah. how's What's going? Up? You got yeah, anything new to say?" <laughs> Saeed, how's it hanging? Yeah, Garrus. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, what's going on? So just that, yeah. Mike managing that was really annoying too. Uh, cool. So yeah, cool man. Uh, we'll we'll call it there. More Mass Effect two. It's time to probe Uranus and talk a little bit about Mass Effect 2. Read last week, uh, you gave us a general impression of what you thought about Mass Effect 2. You called out people for having lost uh, party members in the suicide mission. In, yeah. in fact, exclaiming that the suicide mission was too easy. 
<laughs> yeah, if you lost anybody during the final mission of Mass Effect 2, you fucking suck at video games, all right? Wow. It's like dying to the first Goomba in uh, Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, why don't, like, you what just, happened, yeah why don't you just stop playing Mass Effect and go play something else? So you uh, you came at this game very critically. Uh, it, no, in a way that's good as someone who would have played this game in 2021 versus when it came out. Because obviously, at the time, playing through this game, people were anticipating a third game, a closure to the trilogy, and what losing characters in that mission uh, would even mean uh, to, the, to the greater scope yeah. of, of the game. Um, today, because we only have so much time left, I feel that we should just blaze through the plot of this game. I don't specifically remember a lot of the okay, loyalty I, missions. I'll, I'll do it for you, okay? Sure, hit me with it. So, Mass Effect 2 opens with Shepard's ship, the Normandy, still in a line, still belonging to the Alliance, being shot down by a mysterious ship. You find out later that it is the Collectors that shot you down. Who are the Collectors, Oh, you jumped you a lot. Yeah. They were, <laughs> there's some uh, alien race that a lot of people believe are just myth because no one's really seen one that live in the deep reaches of space on the edge mm. of the Terminus galaxy, I believe. Anyway, they show up and they're abducting people. Shepard quickly, uh, anyway, no, wait, I'm getting ahead of myself. So they shoot fucking Shepard's ship down. Shepard is rescued by Cerberus and Cerberus is run by the elusive man, a.k.a. Martin oh, Hold on there. What? Shepard dies in space. Fu- yeah, Shepard fucking yeah. dies, okay? Cerberus recovers Shepard's mangled corpse and brings it back (laughs) to life. Now, this should already give you... the Lazarus Project. Yeah, this should already give you an impression of what kind of place Cerberus is. If you play Mass Effect 1, you'll know that they did a bunch of human experiments. Anyway, they're bad guys. Shepard reluctantly reluctantly decides to work with the elusive man because he thinks that the Reapers are coming and the alien races aren't going to do anything about it and basically humans have to stop them because they're losing colonies. Shepard agrees... The elusive man says, great, go get a fucking team ready. So basically, the 90% of the story missions in this game are just recruiting uh, fellow party members because there's a yes. lot of them. Yeah. Um, and then the other story bits are basically the elusive man. First, he sends you to a planet just to stop the collectors and gain some information, what you did. Second, he sends you to another place basically to gain access to this mass relay that no one has used ever that would the go mega four relay yeah no people have used it they have not returned they have not returned yes so you yeah. gain access to mega four relay um you decide it's gonna be a one-way trip essentially because you are not getting any official support from from the alliance or the council whatsoever uh mm-hmm. so you you fucking get your team ready you go through the omega four relay you show up at the collector's base you find out the collectors are actually the prothians who were corrupted by the Reapers. Indoctrinated. Uh, yeah, indoctrinated. Uh, bugs. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so now they're all bug-like. They're basically slaves of the Reapers. They are literally being controlled at random moments by Harbinger, who is assumed to be the leader of the Reapers. Uh, you go through the ship. As long as you don't get anybody killed, that's great. You kill a bunch of collectors. You find that they are, in fact, making a human Reaper. And what they ex- yes. and you find out what they are doing with all the humans that they have captured throughout the game and what their purpose is. And they are harvesting them essentially for like they're like they're like compromise they're like compressing their bodies into like gray juice and it's like the matrix bro yeah and pushing it <laughs> into this reaper so reapers you find out are biomechanical like cyborg things that like their mechanics are made out of organics it's kind of weird anyway you stop the giant reaper thing. Uh, the elusive man shows up and he's like, great job, Shepard. You did everything I wanted you to do. Uh, now we have a chance to stop the Reapers. 
but also you should keep this base so we have even more technology. But if you're smart like me, you're like, wait a minute, Cerberus are assholes. This was probably their goal the whole time. So I blew up the fucking facility instead. And basically that's Mass Effect 2. As far as plot, ugh. as far as plot goes, Careful. not a ton happens. As I said, 90% of it is just recruiting teammates. The other 10% is just essentially following the collectors until you get to their home base and blowing it the fuck up. You don't actually learn a lot about the Reapers, if anything, and all you basically do is delay their arrival. Uh, Mass Effect 2, for all intents and purposes, is about building relationships with a bunch of characters that you may or may not get closure with in the next game. It's weird to say, but Mass Effect 2, while being an absolutely fantastic game, and and I do not regret playing it at all, it's kind of fucking useless. Right. So, what the, yeah, you kind of hit the nail on the head. You build relationships with these characters. Unfortunately, they can just get dusted at the end of this fucking game. Or you don't really Uh, see them in Mass Effect 3 if you don't, or you don't recruit them at all. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So, in the case of, of everybody surviving, there is at least something, uh, to, to pay off in Mass Effect 3. Uh, but of course, at the time going into Mass Effect Three, we didn't we didn't know what that was. We don't know if you just keep the same uh, party or what. Obviously, this sets up the elusive man and Cerberus. There is no Shepard without Cerberus, and mankind it ultimately is lost without Shepard. So, in a way, they are the enemy of your enemy. However, obviously, you know they have ulterior motives. Uh, it's very clear that there is a way to go in these games where you just side with humans. Where it's just like the racist playthrough. Where it's just like, hey, we know that uh, the aliens are, are kind of suppressing the humans, and we we know what's going on. We got to look out for other humans, Ashley Williams style. And um, there's always a way to 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 go down that in these games. Obviously, when you get immersed in the universe, you know that. No, uh, that's that's the wrong way to go about things. That Cerberus is fundamentally using terrorism and things like that to accomplish what they need uh, to, to to keep the interests of humans alive. So they, from the get go, you're you're pretty iffy on them. Only that they fucking recovered your body and two years later are able to bring you back to life or reconstruct you or who the fuck knows what exactly they do to Shepard or if Shepard is even it's the uh, the ship of Theseus or whatever, right? It's the if you replace every single piece of the ship, is it still the ship? Right. Uh... Um, that that's an interesting thing that you brought up because like they bring they bring that up at the very early beginning of the game and Shepard just goes fuck mm-hmm. that I'm Shepard and it's never brought up again. So I like to read between the lines after after you beat Mass Effect three I have a bunch of course crazy theories uh, about Mass Effect two where at face value this game doesn't do anything to advance the plot against the Reapers only that I would argue that it it shows us a bunch of. Uh, interesting glimpses into the Reapers. The Reapers killed the Protheans 50,000 years ago, or whatever it was, and uh, here we learn that, well, the Protheans still exist in the form of these collectors that the Reapers are basically using as slaves to go kidnap colonists. What are they doing with those colonists? Well, uh, they're learning about their DNA and they're making a giant human-Reaper hybrid. Why the fuck are they doing that? And that's kind of nightmarish in of itself. These Reapers are just here to wipe out uh, all living things every 50,000 years. Well, now we know that's not the case. We know that they go through a... They they indoctrinate uh, races. We know that they uh, do gene splicing and, cha- and like, genetic fuck, fucked up stuff with, uh, with humans and stuff like that. So Cerberus is basically trying to... They're like, they want to keep that ship. They want to learn what that is. Obviously, Cerberus is, is fundamentally evil, uh, depending on how you look at them. So you did the the right thing and i'm using quote i'm using that voice because i'm putting quotations around everything um but in terms of just what happens in this game you go you go find the 
you go to the deep space, you go to Omega Four, you find out the what the collectors are. You 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 know, you throw a spear at Xerxes uh, in a way, uh, just letting the Reapers know that hey, we're uh, we're a threat. And then, of course, at the end of the game, the Reapers wake up in deep space, and by the start of the third game, they are already upon you. Uh, make your time, gentlemen. So, uh, yes, it is It is a holding pattern, as we talked about last week. It is Mass Effect 2, uh, it, it, of course, still builds the world. You get to see a bunch of new parts of, of Mass Effect. You get to probe planets. You get to get all that deep stuff as a continuation of the first game, which is all great. But as a self-contained story, yes, the majority of the game is recruiting characters and doing their loyalty missions so that they may have the chance to survive. Uh, but ultimately, if you don't care about some of these characters, you don't care to see them right. continue, and it is it is side, side game content. And I right? can see someone who played this at the time of release and thinking, wow, Mass Effect yeah. 2 is like one of the best fucking games. Because the impression that you get from it is... Wow, all these characters are going to be really important next game. All these decisions are incredibly important. I have the benefit of hindsight and knowing beforehand what Mass Effect 3 is and how it disappointed people. And I know beforehand that a lot of these characters I'm either not going to see again or I'm only going to see through the Citadel DLC. And then I know beforehand that a lot of the decisions I made in prior games aren't essentially going to matter in the long run because all the endings are fairly similar to one another. Right. Which makes, uh, in hindsight, Mass Effect 2 seem like kind of a useless game. We'll, we'll end it on this note. We'll, we'll, we'll go into each of the characters, because uh, there's there's better characters than others, obviously. Uh, next time we, we talk, we will uh, talk about some of the loyalty missions, and then uh, some of the highlights of the actual game, uh, as there is a lot of cool stuff along the way. And then get into Mass Effect 3. Um, the thing I was going to say is, Mass Effect 3, as a disappointment and what you've probably heard about it, a lot of big, huge fanboys of Mass Effect get hung up specifically on the ending. When, in my uh, honest opinion, that game is disappointing from beginning to end for the same reasons. That the game is not bad, uh, but the game series has built up that all these decisions you've made will uh, shape your narrative and give you a more specific to you version of the end of this story. Right. And what you get is just another Mass Effect game where certain aspects are changed based on what has happened so far. But ultimately, we do need to get to the same ending uh, with slight variances at, at the end of this, right? right? Like, so. you could make all the decisions that you want in Mass Effect 1 and 2. You're still going to be in Vancouver for Mass Effect 3. And I think Did that's... Did they think that, like, yeah, Casey Hudson was going to pen them uh, a 1,000-word ending well, no, I, just for I, them? I, I kind of understand <laughs> where they're coming from. Like, maybe there be, like, two or three different openings depending on certain choices you made. It'd be a very mm-hmm. ambitious game to make, and obviously they would have to have a lot more time to make it. I think I think it's a mix of uh, improper fan expectations, but also Bioware making decisions feel like they're bigger than they are. For crying out loudly, when you're making your Mass Effect 3 character, if you're importing a character, it lists all the big decisions that you make. Uh, right. right when it's you're, binary. Yeah. It's like, you did this or you didn't do yeah, this. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that should, like, to me, when I play Mass, Mass Effect 3, I'm like, wow, they're reminding me of everything I've done. I expect every single one of those points to be brought up in this game now. Otherwise, what was the point of telling me yeah. about what I did in prior games if you're not going to talk about it? It's it's what you want out of it, right? Because like something like Thane, uh, someone like Thane, who's a really interesting character and, and cool in Mass Effect 2... Um, like, yes, there is a scene in Mass Effect 3, and it's one of the moments of the game I remember most, 
But that being said, what does it have to do with the arcing story? And if it wasn't there, would you miss it? it it's, you know, that's something, that's, that's a discussion for next week, I think, because we got to wrap it up. Reed, before we, uh, we call it a day for today, I want to know, before you finish Mass Effect 3 in one weekend, before you save the galaxy, <laughs> yeah. what have you experienced of Mass Effect 3 so far, um, and what are your thoughts? So, first of all, I want to say, like, fuck you if you're not a fan of Liara in Mass Effect, by the way. Not in the sense that, like... <laughs> Not in the sense that I hate you personally. I mean in the sense that Bioware basically gave you a big middle finger and said, no, fuck you if you don't like Liara, because she's the most important fucking character of these three games. She's in the trailer for the new fucking Mass Effect. She's the one character that always shows up. She falls in love with Shepard within 30 fucking minutes. Like, it's so blatantly obvious how much of a bias these games have for Liara. Uh, and it's incredibly disappointing for someone who has no love or joy or any feelings towards Liara whatsoever. Um, so, so far in Mass Effect 3, the fact that she's been given such a predominant part, she's already in your team, and she's already vastly overshadowed James and whoever the fuck else is on your ship is... Uh, about James. Yeah, is, <laughs> yeah, fuck off, James, by the way, fucking doing chin-ups. And he's like, what's up, bro? And, like, I'm female Shepard. I'm like, don't fucking call me bro. And then he, like, tries to flirt. I don't know. It was weird. It was dumb. Fuck, fuck James. And then, yeah, don't like Liara. Anyway, so the first thing I did in that game was to go to this planet. I didn't even look at the objective. And that's where I'm going to get a new companion that is a Prothean, which looks incredible. That's the deal. So that's DLC. That what? that was not included in the base game. That is a DLC quest you're doing right now. Oh fuck me! Uh, I would not. You should, have... No, you should still do it because that's a really important party member to have in that fucking game. Yeah. But they locked it behind DLC. So yeah, I'm gonna do that. Get him, and then buddy at work have advised me that Garrus is in fact yet another companion in this game. So I am like I shit my pants that I didn't go and get him first because he has literally loved my life in that game. Well, I've had the sex. <laughs> I've had the sex with Garrus. Um, so had weird bird yeah. sex with Garrus. That's immediately going to be the next thing I do after. And then I've seen a zillion bajillion screenshots of whatever of this infamous Citadel DLC, where Jack's like stripping on a table and people are getting drunk and Tolly wants a threesome and shit. 
Uh, well, okay, so I never played that DLC, so I'm, I'm very Yeah, so curious. I'm very curious for that. Like, yeah, someone at work was just like, yeah, if Tali's drunk enough and you're with, like, if you are romance with Garrus, Tali will be like, what about a three? And then she'll, like, cut herself off and be like, oh, you know what? Like, she's wasted. Oh, never mind. And I was I was shocked when I heard this, Lee. In oh, my, Tally, Tally's a freak, man. Yeah, she in gets my down. mind, Tally's always been, like, just above a teenager, like, because she's on, like, her pilgrimage, right? Like, like yeah. the young adolescent people. And I'm at like, least that's, like, better than, a, like, Drake Bell shit. Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> at, least, yeah. at least she's of age. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, yo, you're way too, like, young and pure and innocent. And then I learned that fucking Garrus is only 25 in Mass Effect oh, yeah. 1. And Shepard is only 29 in Mass Effect 1. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm older than... Well, think of... Garrus? Yeah, well, think of it this way. The Solarians don't barely live to 20. So every Solarian you're seeing is, is between 10 and 20, right, probably, but, if they're working but, a job. Uh, those are different when they explicitly state that Turians are very similar to humans in terms of lifespan and how they age and shit like that. How they fuck. How they fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that threw me off for a bit. I'm just like, how could they do that to Tali and make her so lewd and shit? Uh, it's mostly a joke anyway. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that DLC because everybody loves some good R&R between the crewmates. I can't wait to tell Ashley she's not invited. Uh, and <laughs> Yeah, Mass Effect 3. Isn't she I, dead? What? Isn't Ashley dead? No, she's in a coma in my game because like, I guess I did something right. Uh, <laughs> so mostly in this game, I just want to see... I'm way more interested about the elusive man than I am about the mm. Reapers. Because for all intents and purposes, I believe Mass Effect 2 showed us all that the Reapers want to do, which is assimilate uh, species, <laughs> advanced species with technology to make more Reapers and then repeat the cycle for whatever reason. Um, that could be cool, but I think what the Elusive Man wants to do is even cooler, and I, I'm really interested to see where that goes, and hopefully it does lead somewhere interesting. And then, yeah. of course, there's like three other companions that I have no clue about, so I'm interested to see them. Right on, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, make sure you also do the Leviathan DLC. Don't do it early or anything. Before you clear the game, go do the Leviathan DLC. Which, uh, And then remember, when you complete the Leviathan DLC, text me, and then realize that that DLC is DLC and wasn't part of the main game. Okay. Just just remember that. Okay. It's, it's pretty astounding what EA went to cut out of that game to make paid content and how important... Like, a Prothean party member... For context, uh, like the uh, last surviving member of this race that was wiped out how many thousands of years ago and their perspective on the Reapers and what's happening now would be fascinating. Nope, pay for that. The Leviathan DLC, which gives you even more uh, of a deep dive into the Reapers and why they do what they do. Nope, that was cut out. And then you wonder why people get to the end of the game and they're like, well, what the fuck? I feel like there's a bunch of gaping holes in what's going on here and a lot of implications and stuff and then you realize that no it's because Gaping. everybody beat the game before the fucking DLC dropped Let's talk about Mass Effect. We yeah. la- we just 
we're just talking about the Rachni Queen, and now we're going to move on to the war assets and what they okay, mean. Okay, so yeah, what really pissed me off, not only narratively about the Rachni Queen bullshit, which was the war asset part. So yes. the war assets, when I saw it, and how they function with the minimum requirement, yes. essentially to get one, I'm assuming you need to get a full bar to get the best ending or some shit. Okay, so I have questions about that when you get to the end, because what is the best ending? Okay, well, yeah, well, whatever then. So if I literally just have to meet that requirement, yeah. what you're telling me is I just need to do things. It doesn't really matter what things I do um, as opposed right. to like... Well, in the original game, you could just play multiplayer and get it to full bar. Yeah. You'd have to do anything in the exactly. game. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to what I would have expected from a game like this for like you get a certain like sentence or two in the ending depending if you recruit the Rachnite or not. Um which I don't think happens. Which won't happen. You know, which will not happen because the game doesn't care what you did. It just no. cares that you did something. Which I think should be the opposite. Right. I think the game should give a shit more about what you did rather than how many things you did. They basically made every decision of yours worth a certain amount of points towards nothing. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it makes it concludes to me in my head that oh it's not going to be brought up again anymore. Even if I do smooth all our things between the Krogans and the Salarians. It's not going to be mentioned post-game because it's just a bar that I have to meet. And it's not like a requirement to... Like, I don't have to quarrel this... the the I don't have to settle the quarrel between the Krogans and the Slarians to get these endings. I just... Like, it helps if I do to get to this boost thing, but it's not going to be mentioned. So I was already like, Kate, hey, that's fucking baloney. But surely... <laughs> like, Rachni, this decision I made two games ago that's carried through two games that's been mentioned in all three games is going to be worth a lot of war asset because it's like, wow, you did a really selfless decision back in Mass Effect 1. You took a chance. Look, the, how, yeah, look how yeah. much look how much it paid off for you. It gave me 100 war asset, Lee. Okay. 15 minutes. Hundo. Yeah. The day before I did that quest, I did one for Arya at the Citadel. I did not have to leave the Citadel. I talked to three people there, and I just said, basically said, join Arya, please. And they all said, yeah, sure, after I did, like, one thing for them, essentially. I had three times the amount of war assets for doing that that's, thing. That's 100 each for each person you got to. In 10 fucking minutes. Yeah. Then it took... Then Save a race of aliens. Then saving a race of fucking aliens from across three different video games. Yes. I, I, I was so blown away by that. Now, by how little they're giving to the decisions of those prior games only because they themselves made them seem important that they would go on right yeah, but they're bringing attention to the fact that hey remember that thing you did two games ago here's the here's the resolution of that if there was no war assets though and you were just playing for story or for resolution would you care as much or is it because they're assigning a, right. a number if, if they did the kind of fallout style or even just a special yeah. cutscene in the end where it's like Oh, our rear flank is getting fucked up. Yeah. fucked up, and then one of two things happens: if you yeah. didn't save the Rachni, Falcon shows up. If you didn't save the Rachni in Mass Effect One, they all yeah. get destroyed, and like, uh, it causes like one of your companions to die, who is leading that back uh, sure. forces or something like Ca that. Yeah, yes. Or alternatively, you did save a Mass. They should save Rex because he was yeah. the one that kills. Right? They show up and they're yeah. like, "Hey, this is the Rachni here. We're gonna save your back flank." You can proceed and not worry about it. Yeah. That because if one does not, it won't be that much to do. It's a special cutscene. What you already have a million cutscenes in your game. Right. Two. And a lot of them are, are unique to what yeah, you chose. Yeah. Two. It feels incredibly impactful because you're saving a companion along with an entire auxiliary force at our rear. 
So it feels like, okay, like I don't have any worries behind me. I can proceed yeah. forward. Saving one life in two games ago saved hundreds of lives here. Yeah. And that's way more impactful than just, oh, it helped progress my bar to get the ending. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, it, the Rackdown could be worth 600 points. Like, yeah. like, fucking more than what I need. It could be worth 1,200. And it wouldn't matter to me because I want to see that impact physically, like, on screen, yeah. visually. Not just in points. Can't yeah. I would have loved the Rackdown to show up and start fucking up Reapers and being like, get my promise, Shepard. What up? And yeah. I've been like, sick. Or, like, even if it's just fucking intercom and it's like shepherd rack knight rack knight are on the phone patch them through <laughs> yeah. thank you <laughs> yeah. yeah and they're like we're here we're gonna save you what up and you see yeah that's what that cutscene's for uh so that's what i'm incredibly disappointed about and i think that's a big reason why that citadel dlc that you haven't played exists no. yeah because the if that sealed citadel dlc didn't exist the only interactions you'd have with your prior characters would be quick meetings at the citadel to be like Hey, what's going on? And they're like, hey, my life's kind of shitty. I got something going on, but like, you're too busy to help. Don't worry about it. Yeah, that's every character that I met so. Far. I don't think all of that is in the in the Citadel though, because there's like a there's a Thane. Have you done the Thane thing yet? Yeah, I talked about the hospital. Okay, like, he's just like, yeah, I'm teaching instructions to people. That comes back around. There's more with Thane later. Right. Yeah. I'm just saying that. But well, Thane could be dead. You could have lost Thane. In right. I'm just saying that's yeah. that's why I think the Citadel party DLC is there explicitly because people are like. There's simply not enough interaction on cutscenes and talking with like right. these big characters that we spent two whole games with. Uh, the Cillo DLC is the equivalent of that Rackdown cutscene I want. It's it's like okay, you want just literally like impact More, your decisions. Yeah. Here's all the characters that you that you kept alive through all the games. Now you get to party with them. Yeah. That's great. Where was that shit with the rap night? Where was that shit with all the other I want to party with the rap night. Yeah, I want to party with the rap night. <laughs> what, uh, you did the Leviathan DLC as well? So I'm mostly through the Leviathan DLC, and this is definitely the best part of the game so far for me. Yeah, and it wasn't in the game. Yeah. Just I want you to remember yes, that. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, like, if this was not in the game, I, <laughs> yes. and I still don't know anything about the Reapers and their goals or anything like that, so I, I still think I have, like, half of the DLC to go, because every time I do a mission, I usually go off and do something else. So I'm still waiting to see what happens with that. I'm still just learning, like, oh, everybody's being controlled. I rescued the daughter, and I have to meet her at the office. Besides that, I've... Started, Keeping it ambiguous. Besides that, I got Javik. I yeah. was surprised to learn that he does interact. Like, the other, like, the like the prior DLC character from yes. Respect 2, you don't actually talk to him. He just has ex expository dialogue. Uh, I've met Kasumi, Miranda, Thane... And Ashley on the Citadel talked to him, said, what's up? I recruited Edie. Sure. I recruited uh, Garrus. Uh, so the you, only... Do you have the choice not to? I don't even really consider it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, More the merrier. So the only person I don't have left, the only person I have to recruit is Tali, because you spoiled that shit for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, man, so like there's... But that being said, there's lots of things I love about the story mode Mass Effect 3. Um, I love how many people are like, fuck Shepard, you were right. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, weird. I know. Yeah. Weird, right? Uh, I love the interactions between prior party members. You do, like, from what I remember, Mass Effect 1 and 2, a lot of party members, party members did not interact with each other, like, a ton. You got some elevator cutscenes and stuff like that, but there was, like, legit cutscenes of Rex being like, Garrus, thanks for having my back on this. And Garrus would be like, anytime, Rex. And he'd be like, yeah. Big muscly arm. And he'd yeah. be like, stop. Yeah, that's sick. Oh, they're friends. Uh, my friends. Yeah. yeah, like that. Like it's weird, small shit like that that I really love that they go. Uh, or like you talk to the Turian uh, representative, and he's just like, 
Oh, Garrus went into the engine room. Something about calibration. So you're like, oh, like, loves calibration. Fuck, that's good shit. Uh, <laughs> th- I think that's where their strengths really lie. Uh, it's really hilarious that they decided to, like, they made Edie have, like, the most rock and bod oh, in yeah. the entire universe. And then James is like, I want to fuck that robot. You're like, you gotta get in line, yeah. buddy. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the strength of the, the fucking series, uh, that trilogy, is the characters in the world, in my opinion. Yeah, I would say uh, it's, it's weird to say, but, like, the Reapers are almost the most uninteresting part. That, well, that's their fault. They, they, they wanted a apocalyptic threat. Uh, and they're just like, right. It's it's, yeah. it's that's another reason why I love Master. I, I just think back to the collectors who are just like, okay, we came up with this apocalyptic threat, and there's these giant metallic squids. But Shepard's like a guy or a girl, and so the collectors up to it. The collectors are like, pick on someone your own size. We'll just come up with a way that there is also just troops you can blow up because otherwise you're just fighting giant robots. Well, there's the Reaper troops in Mass Effect. Oh, the husks or whatever, right? No, and then there's Reaper Turians that are like, oh, right. okay assimilated yeah which is like another big question i have i'm like what's your simulation because you're making a big human that's taken years yeah Mass Effect two. no that was just for scare tactics yeah i think like, they said so right? just like we're just like you know we could make regular size human reapers yeah. but what if we made a big human reaper and like, or or make them so small that you can't even detect them can you imagine <laughs> yeah like shepherd's like they're here yeah and like there's nothing yes i'm like i'm trying to figure out if like these squids were like Used to be species. Or... No, I mean, play the Leviathan DLC is gonna. Yeah, I guess gonna show you. But yeah, uh, I guess that's my process about the yeah. Reaper conversion rate. Uh, but that's basically that's basically what's going on with Mass Effect yes. right now. I'm probably gonna finish it by the next pod episode. Sure. Uh, Liara just hanging out there doing stuff. Yeah. That's Mass Effect Three, baby. Yeah. Uh, well, that game that game wraps up. Uh, there, there's the, the the finale and stuff of that game. I remember being been quite good and then the ending happens which I'll be very curious to see what uh, you think of so the point of the evening let's talk about mass effect 3 uh as we talked about the beginning of the episode you've not finished it yet you've moved a little forward in the plot what have you seen okay well first of all i've definitely put in the same amount of hours that i would have into mass effect 1 or 2 this just seems to be like a lot longer game along with the like the fucking laundry list of like missions that you have because there's no secondary mission or primary mission filter anymore it's just like no you got missions yeah onto a fucking page and, like, 90% of them are like, find this thing and bring it back to the dude on the Citadel. So you're constantly just going through the filter to figure out what the fuck you should be doing at any given moment. Sure. And there's no way to determine, like, like this one was, like, go to this school in space. And sure. where you find Jack. Yeah. But that's the thing. If I'm going to find Jack there, that should be not, it doesn't have to be listed as a priority mission. But it should be listed as a priority above the, you know, find the capacitor for fucking random NPC on the Citadel. Yeah. I absolutely hate how they structure that in that regard because I don't know what I should be doing to get the most out of the content. You don't just do it by geography. We're just like, I got three Citadel missions so I can knock those down at the same time. Yeah, but... because there's too many missions. Yeah. I sent down to all of them just to be an 80-hour game and I don't want it to be. So, like, if I never went to that school on the whim of, oh, I need more money so I can buy badass guns, I would never have saw Jack there. The idea that Shepard 
has to pay for things. Uh, in the, in the world are like, what's the point of the war assets? Shouldn't yeah. that just be like, hey, I saved a race of aliens that's going to help us combat the Reapers. Can yeah, I have the shotgun? Broke it. I literally saved yeah. an entire fucking race. How, it's like, it's I, pretty I, fucked up when you think about it. Yeah, actually. so um, I, I very much hate how they structured how their missions work. Yeah. Because I'm very paranoid now that I'm going to get to the last mission and I didn't have that mission where I get to see, you know, <laughs> fucking Legion or sure. something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, like for that for that Jack mission, it was it was just identified as rescue students from a Cerberus attack on a space station. That seemed like a you know go there, do it for thirty seconds, you get like five grand, you move on with your life, sort of thing. But no, it's this whole thing with Jack. Yeah. Um, but you set your own priorities, right? Like it's the end of the fucking world. Right. Who are you saving? I'm just saying, like for someone like me, who I don't want to say dumb, but I definitely like things to be. Uh, organized in a very specific way. It would have been nice to have clearly defined this, these are your main stories missions. These are like your companion old crew member missions. And then these are like the, you don't have to do them. You can yeah. do them if you want to. Like if instead it said like, hey, Jack called for help from this yeah, school. Yeah, and you're like, oh, I like Jack. I will prioritize. Yeah, or if it just said like, uh, like what's a good word for it? Like a reminiscing mission or like uh, feels like, yeah, feels like mission. mission. My feels filter. Yeah, it just would be so much nicer in that. Did you do the Thane thing on the Citadel yet? I met him at the Citadel, and he's just like, I'm teaching yoga. Okay, but nothing happened yet. Yeah. Okay, there's there's stuff to come still with Thane. Cool. But yeah, uh, I did the Leviathan DLC. Yeah. I really enjoyed it, for obviously from a lore perspective. Do you, do you feel that it's criminal then? It's, of course, we've I've asked this, that it's not included in the base game. Yeah, I definitely think it should have been. I it, think that'll come full circle when you actually beat the game and you realize then the context you would have been missing. Yeah, because like I was talking to Andrew about like a guy at work and he's just like, oh, he's like, yeah, I didn't mind it. I think some things are better left unexplained. I'm like, I don't know. Like, if I, they didn't explain the Reapers, I would have been like, People are getting fucking death threats based on how unexplained they... Not yeah. to say that that is warranted, but... I'm like, yes and no. I'm like, how would you like it in... I don't know, like... Reed, he liked Star Wars Episode Nine. <laughs> what the fuck you talking about? What the fuck you talking about here? Anyway, so yeah, I enjoyed the explanation of it. It definitely gave it more context while still keeping them intimidating. Because sure. they didn't reveal the ultimate goal. They just like, oh, they, like... Like we like we were in charge of a bunch of races, but those races kept building AI, much like how the Corians made Geth, for yeah. example. Yeah. But the AI would always turn on them because you know they're AI. It's because it's video games. Yeah, it's 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 a tale as old as time for video yeah. games. So he's like, so we built like a supercomputer that was just gonna be another tool, and its only mission was to preserve all life. And it made the first Reaper, who was Harbinger, and then like you already killed him. So. For, for, no, he didn't. You kill Harbinger? Who did you kill in the first game? Sovereign. Sovereign. Who's just the vanguard, yeah. the the person that's like alerting them or yeah. anything. Anyway, he's a silver surfer. So he's like, oh, you know, yeah, uh, we made like so it, the supercomputer made the first harbinger. It like somehow killed like one of the Leviathan to make the harbinger. Sure, I don't know how they did like that part. I hate when they are like, oh, it made a supercomputer and it made the first Reaper. Okay, well, how did it make the first Reaper? 3D printing, bro. If it didn't have any Reapers, anyway. Yeah, semantics at that point. Um, and then they said something very peculiar that still doesn't sit well with me. And they're like, oh, well, only one Reaper's made every cycle. I said... One Reaper. Yeah. Yeah. Like, one Reaper's made every cycle. I'm like, okay, like... So, so the, the cycles have been going on for yeah, millions of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, because I'm like, okay, I can understand that, like, the Brutes and all these things are just, like, alien variants of Hisks. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't explain if, if that's true and you make one Reaper per cycle... 
then why is there like thousands of identical reapers who are all the octopus leviathan shape versus the human they were making in mass effect 2 no not versus the human if what they said is true and a reaper is made every different cycle the species should be different every single cycle therefore every single reaper should look completely different from one another unless like these this the, they're well the reapers are big yeah no i Lee, you're not getting what I'm saying. You're not going to have a bunch of dude-sized Reapers floating around space. That's not cool. I'm saying. You know, yeah. I'm saying that if what they say is true and yeah. one Reaper... They make one Reaper. Cycle, yes. Every cycle has different alien species. They knocked out the Protheans. They made one Reaper, and it looked like every other Reaper. No, because the, Cana because the, the Canadians... The Canadians. One didn't look anything like the octopus. Right. And the one that you... The that's, one that's what I'm saying. And yeah, and the one yeah. I just fought on Tachanka looked slightly different. It had four legs instead of being like an octopus. My point is, Lee, yeah. there are thousands of octopus reapers out there. The, they, no, the majority of... They all are that. Yeah, yeah, which doesn't make sense based on the fact that a new that only one reaper is made per cycle. That would imply that every cycle there's always Leviathan, and they always make a reaper from a Leviathan. It, but in the case of uh, the human thing that's being made on the collector ship, uh, that was being made before the cycle happened. Uh, they were just kidnapping reapers. And right, and then they blew it up. I mean, what, humans. See, the question is, why were they making a human-shaped reaper when every other reaper is just based on the Leviathan shape? No, and, but it's the opposite because they said one reaper is made per cycle. Yeah. Every species is different per cycle. You should not have more than one octopus reaper. Well, only the first one should have been an yeah, octopus. There should only yeah. be one octopus reaper in Harbinger. So there's, there's, it's, it's maybe a plot hole, but it's also maybe just no. We just make it based on because, because the I understand why yeah. they did it cause they're, because they're because they're like oh fuck. the reapers aren't all organic though, right? They're not. It's not like organic with metal on top. It's a robot, right? At a certain point, based on so maybe they maybe yeah. they turn the human reaper and they give it a shell of an octopus maybe, later. That, well, maybe that was just a special occasion because they, you killed Sovereign, right? right? So they're like, oh, we need to we need to really fuck with humans. We're going to make a big human robot. Yeah. I'm just saying that like it, you know, they will be even more scared. Yeah, I'm just saying that it obviously yeah. does not matter, but shit like that bugs me when your yes. floor is not air fucking tight. It really pisses me off. I mean, that's that's the end of Mass Effect in a nutshell, right? It's just like you, it it from Andrew's point of view, leaving things up to interpretation is good in that we can fill in those gaps ourselves. Yeah, I don't like we, doing that. Yeah, like without that line of dialogue, you, you could just be like one is made every cycle in the vision of the original Reaper. Yeah, so they're, 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 they're with, we made an except they made an exception because you struck at them. You took out Sovereign. Yeah. So they were gonna instead of making another squid, they were gonna make a dude. And then like ah, 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 and just like come destroy your cities with a yeah. big dude. If they said that, if they said one reaper is made every yeah. cycle, he's got like a twenty-story be... long dong. Yeah, and he's gonna just yeah. Use if, it to... if the big octopus yeah. Leviathan man said one reaper is made every cycle, always made in the vision of us until you, something changed. Until yeah, you yeah. Shepherd happened yeah. because you stopped Sovereign. Right. So they're like, oh, we should make a human one because apparently humans are even better than Leviathans or some shit. Well. If they made an actual human one, he'd be six feet tall. They that's were clearly what, making. That's what I'm saying is yeah. they're like, oh shit, like we, like since the first fucking race of the Vithans, yeah. someone else, whenever that was, has defeated yeah. a Reaper, and it was a human. We should make a human Reaper. Yeah. If they said that, all my questions, I would have no problems with it. But as it is, <laughs> the fact that the computer is thinking this, yeah. and being like, they did what? Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll show them. Yeah, but the fact that they're they're lower in that sense yeah. isn't airtight, and it doesn't fully explain why all of them are identical if they're only made one per cycle. That pisses me off. 
Also, the fact that there are seemingly endless ones, and it's every 50,000 yeah, years or whatever. So, so, like, those are my major complaints so far of this game going in, is just the very disorganized mission structure. Uh, when and, I said, that, and that the threat is confusing. <laughs> it's just like, you can understand giant robots have come to destroy the galaxy and harvest all the people. Right, but, but you establish a piece yeah. of lore that contradicts with a previously established piece of lore. Sure. And that creates uh, confusion in my mind. So, besides that, um, I've also stated negatives before about... Um, the general war asset thing, how some things aren't made to be seen or aren't made to be uh, like important as others. Because you've, quant you've assigned a number value. Yeah. yeah. There are things, however, that are really likable Mass Effect 3 over the other ones. Um, I love uh, the ability system that they use in this in regards to allies. It's a lot easier sure. to use on keyboard, at least. Yeah. All you have to do is press E or Q and it'll use their most recent used ability. When you're in the thick of a fight, and you have, like, a big guy coming out, you, all you want to do is get a warp, and if you have the R in party, just press Q, boom, happens. Yeah. Way better, much more intuitive than previous games where you would have to hold the tactical button, select their attack, make sure they're on the right, right target. So Andromeda more or less has that, but it also introduced, like, a jetpack and, like, juking. Yeah. To, um, which is just... Yeah. So I like that a lot. Um, the game in general seems a little quicker, too, which is a nice plus, of course. There's one thing that this game does very well, though, that not a lot of other games that have been going on this long does. It does give you that sense of, like, we've been through some fucking shit together, me and all of these aliens and my yeah. friends and everything like that. And when these characters meet each other again, they're having conversations, interactions independent of Shepard, yeah. which I fucking love. Like, when Garrus was on a mission with Rex for the first time, Rex, like, don't even see Shepard in the entire scene. He's just like, Garrus, thanks for the assist. And he's like, anytime, Rex. I'm always here to help. It feels like more of an ensemble yeah. versus, yeah. Yes, yes. Big muscly arm moments. Yes, it then. feels like a movie where you're just happy to play the main character, but that doesn't stop other characters from having moments with these other people. Yeah. So, like, Liara and Garrus are having conversations with each other. Rex and Liara, Garrus and Rex, and uh, Grunt and Rex. She's like, every confirmation. Yeah, it's just, like, it's, it's, like, I think that game does this better than one or two a lot one or two had some moments in like the elevators where characters that interact with each other mass effect 2 that's why people like math like have you realized yet yeah that the 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 in the world building and the characters and just being in the world of the game is why people love that yes, story so yes. much and that the individual stories when you pick them apart or experience them this many years later for the first time yeah is you're going through the motions right people don't really they remember certain like plot beats but then you you have to remember that oh yeah the, the yeah, paper like, thing and going to remember yeah. Garrus and Tali over yeah. like going to the collector base or right. something like that like that's not memorable to me no and I absolutely agree with you in that yeah. sense and I think that's what three does so much better than one and especially two the problem with two is because it was too open to the order in which you get your allies yeah and because of that the majority of the cutscenes that you see in that game only consist of Miranda Jacob and Morden. Yeah. Because as, as far as... To the detriment of the game. Yeah, yeah, as far as the game is concerned, those are the only ones that you essentially need at yeah. that point in the game. So every other character that would be shown in that kind right. of scene is extra money, extra time, and extra production for the company. So they didn't put them in there. Right. Understandably so. But it didn't give you the, the feeling of like my characters interacting with one another. Uh, but Mass Effect 3 does that in spades. It is a joy to watch. Like, you still have like Morden... And Rex and stuff on your ship. They left now because Morgan's <laughs> fucking dead. And Rex, hey, whoa, spoilers. Yeah, and Rex left too because I cured the general page. But even when they're on their ship, they're Didn't still. Did he die singing or something? Morgan uh, die singing. He didn't die singing. He just like was like, yeah, I'm the best. Um, okay, that sounds like him. Anyway, 
So that's what I really like about it. And you can still have Rex and Morden on your ship, but they're still doing stuff. Like Morden's still going after the tower. Rex yeah. is still holding people back. It still feels like they're a part of your team. Which we have yeah. different squad mates now. So this weekend, presumably, you will beat this game. If sound like um, I'm getting close to the end, I'm assuming now that, like I said, I'm a nut hair wearer from that yeah. war asset. Once I get Tolly, that will push it over the edge, and I can really go for that ending. So you, at the end of the game, without spoilers, yeah, uh, you you end up back on Earth, I believe. That's a spoiler, is it? Because as far as I know, Earth is destroyed right now. It's not. It's just fucked up. It's, it's just being, really fucked yeah. up. The Reapers aren't quick. It's not like they like shoot the space laser and the Earth blows up. Right. They're like they said. That, yeah. They said that it took them centuries. Centuries. Yeah. It's said <laughs> in the pre- in Mass Effect yeah. that it took them centuries to defeat the Protheans completely. Yeah. You so, you played Andromeda, right? I've played like a little. Okay. So like the basically yes, all these moments with these characters, you you move towards a a finale. A oh, this might be the last time. Uh, just like Mass Effect 2, which is yeah. like, you don't really know what's going to happen. And then, uh, you know, the game finishes, and then Andromeda comes along, and you, all the things we just said are the are the strengths of the game are absent from Andromeda. It's, you're on a space arc, uh, you are away from the universe that, uh, for the reason you like the games, you are given a very narrow scope of the aliens and stuff existing, and we are not expanding the universe at all. You are just a semblance of those same elements in a completely different place, fighting a new enemy that's that's not interesting, that doesn't have the same... Right. And, like, I never finished Andromeda. I may never finish Andromeda. And those are the reasons. The gameplay and the overall story of Mass Effect, I don't think, ever, is the is the reason why it'll be talked no, about yeah. for, for decades to come. People will still play this trilogy of games ten years from now. It'll be re-released on the PS6. Yes, because it's an interesting uh, characters, dynamic relationships. Right. Uh, and just lots of lore to go through in regards to their various species. There's, there's no fucking reason, though, that someone can't come along and make a game like this. But no one has. No one has made a game with an ensemble like this RPG that lasts over this many games. Because I can't think of it. Can you? Like it, it is an ambitious project. Yes, it's, it's a very akin to Lord of the Rings in like, that sense. Yeah. They're like, we're making three games, and like. Fuck us if yeah. the first game doesn't succeed because we need to. It's still going to happen. Yeah, because it's uh, still going to happen. Because even Dragon Age d- ducked out of that. They're just like, no, we'll, we'll set it in the same world with the same lore, but continuing the same character stories is just not fucking feasible right. for and the it's, scope. Yeah, and it's different yeah. from a different series game like, I don't know, Wretched and Clank where like, yes, they're sequels, but they're not really... Yeah, self-contained. Yeah, and, they're not really yeah. dealing with the backdrop. Whereas Mass Effect 1 deadass ends off with... Way to go! You way to go! You killed one reaper, and that was a whole fucking army of them coming. Yeah. Oh shit! Yeah. Uh, you're like, oh shit! I'll see you next game. Game yeah. ends. And it's the it's the Shepard meets Rex on the Citadel in Mass Effect One, and they happen to be hunting the same person. And uh, your options then are just like, well, let's work together. Little did Rex fucking know that he would go on to take part in saving the fucking galaxy with this random and guy saving his entire uh, race of people. And, and, and yeah, being a a, a a mercenary, a, okay, yeah. That's actually a moment I want to talk about. When I was save, curing the genophage, and I revealed that the Solarian uh, counselor wanted to sabotage it. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, of course I'm not going to. Rex is my fucking boy. Yeah, and I love the Krogan. Uh, well, and and you own one because of you. You in the past have been like, listen, I'm playing a long game here. If I can cure the genophage, I will. But you can't go around shooting like. Because there's a point in the first game where you can literally lose Rex for that reason. Yeah, right? yeah exactly. So you've made good. Yeah, and yeah. It's in it's in role play in line with my character to be like, no, I do good by the people who have done good by me because yeah. they're my reliable teammates. I do what makes sense at the time. Um, 
So anyway, when you say, when you reveal the plot, like it's such a great moment that would not have had any effect if you had met Rex like three hours ago in Mass Effect 3. Yeah. And they're just like, oh, this is blah, blah, blah. He's the leader of the Krogan. Leader of the Krogan resistance. Yeah. He's wearing a tank top. Yeah. And I... How, yeah. Help him cure the genophage. And then he calls you like a true Krogan or friend. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean anything. But Rex says it to me, this character I've known since that first yeah. moment in Aspect One, where he's like, I don't care about curing the genophage. I'm just here for myself. He's completely changed. I think it was born. Yeah. In the middle of the night. I'll turn him yeah. Back. Shepard has changed. So when he goes like Shepard, he's like, he's very sincere about it. He's like, he's like, you've been my friend and my companion for however many for three years. Three games now. now. He's yeah. like, you've helped me like stop people you've cured their general fate you've always been true for me you will we will sing stories about you you will always be a friend of the krogan and a true uh member of clan or not and then you can do the paragon thing where you both do like the, the headbutt or whatever you know, the, the the fucking predator handshake with yeah. them and you're both just like yeah and you're like yeah like this is why i fucking play mass effect yeah. know, for those specific moments yes. it's just like yes i have a fucking relationship with this person and it's deep it's long <laughs> it's girthy yeah just like a human reaper's dong talking about you failing uh to save the geth <laughs> so we're just gonna I say that last week. i think that was last week i don't think it was uh because the paragon thing well let's let's touch on it here where are you now and then we are going to just launch this won't even be an official part of the mass yeah, effect yeah. thing we're going to launch into a full mass effect podcast next saturday so finish the story mission with tachanka and the genophage rex all that shit talk to the reaper then they're yeah. like okay go solve this shit with the Corians and the geth uh like, it, no problem basically did i did all the right i figured it out online too i did all the right decisions from previous games because i still had the options they were just grayed out and as it turns sure. out i did not have enough paragon points to to quell the the fight between the quarians and the geth therefore i had to and then i looked it up and if you didn't save the if you save the geth not the quarians tolly would fucking jump off a cliff and fucking kill herself yeah uh, all the other space races, yeah, all the other space races would be pretty fucking pissed and be like, "Dude, like we are pretty chill with the Corians." Yeah, and the you saved the rampant AI. And, and the Geth <laughs> literally attacked the Citadel like three years ago. Yeah. Um. So I'm like, I guess I gotta kill the Geth. That's the first big time in Mass Effect that I fucked up. Is that the biggest? We'll call it a skill check. Is that the biggest failure of a skill check you've ever done? That's the only failure of a skill check I've in, in done. any game. In I'm any, like in a Fallout game where you're like, oh, I'm short one. The six. only other time I ever failed, like having enough, like whatever points, was a was a fight between Miranda and Jack, and all I had to do was do a mission to fix their relationship. It's sure. too late for the Geth. I swore I would not reload my save, and I haven't. 
I fucking moved <laughs> on from that. I have done the Omega DLC. I have no love whatsoever for Arya. I think she's like a fucking whatever character. Like, so that DLC as a whole is just like, I don't give a fuck. I'm mainly doing this for the war asset. Because as someone at work informed me, to get the best ending, you need at least 8,000 war assets. I have a really interesting question that we will revisit uh, two Saturdays from now. We'll but, uh, what is the what is considered the best ending of Mass Effect is very confusing to me. But anyway... <laughs> And to the Omega DLC, because I need the war asset. Sure. But I had absolutely no love for Arya, nor that storyline. I was just like, like, I don't give a fuck. Um, it was cool to see a female Tyrion. That was neat. Sure. Um, but now I'm... Just got a bow on? Or yeah. Like, what was it? Now moving on to bigger and better things. I'm basically cleaning up a bunch of side missions before I go back to the Citadel. Yes. And then after that, there's only four story missions. Yes. Two of them are like no turning back points. So mm-hmm. it's basically like one big story mission, in my opinion. You end up... Uh, you end up... In a place where... It's yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to do basically the two story missions, then the Citadel DLC. Sure. Which is, by all accounts, about four hours if you interact with everybody and check all the fan service, which I absolutely am. That's the whole point of the fucking DLC, is that it's four hours of hanging out with your buddies. Sure. And having cool conversations. Then I'll be finishing Mass Effect 3. I'm, like, even... This game can have a big piece of shit ending, and I already think it's way better than Mass Effect 2. Uh, looking back at Mass Effect 2, I think that game is also wholly useless. They're just like, oh yeah, uh, Cerberus is making, like, these abomination things. And, like, but with Reaper Tech, I'm like, where the fuck did they get that? And they're like, oh, well, the old collector base. I'm like, I blew that shit up. It's... So what you're telling me is if I didn't, if I blew it up or I did it, it wouldn't matter. Because these fucking enemies in this game would still be here and Cerberus would still have Reaper Tech. The, the way I see Mass Effect 2, and we have to wrap up here, is uh, they were trying to slow burn the reveal of the Reapers and what they're uh, capable of and how to explain the ending of where they're going. But then they, after they finish Mass Effect 2, they're in Mass Effect 3 where they intend to wrap it up. It's like, shit, okay, we need to just... We need to advance all those things. The subtlety is kind of out the window. And by the time you get to the ending, that's basically when the subtlety completely dies where you are... You'll see. Uh, You're told how it is. So yeah, we delayed the recording a little bit. Uh, so it is the afternoon. You know, I've already we're already a few smokes and Red Bulls in. This is a different. <laughs> I don't know who I am. Uh, but without further ado, Reed, uh, we kind of previewed uh, the end of Mass Effect Three. You seem to, in the back half of this game series, uh, realized why people find it so memorable, even if 
Uh, initially, when that when that third game ended, people were like embarrassed to wear their N7 hoodies outside. It was it, th- th- like I think we touched upon <laughs> it in an earlier episode, but uh, it's just like Game of Thrones. It, when Game of Thrones wrapped up and everybody had their Game of Thrones merch and sweaters, and uh, we're so big into it, and then it, it's such a wet fart of an ending uh, that people pe- people just kind of are turned off from it uh, for one reason or another. And uh, Mass Effect Three. Uh, was that for me? I thought it was fine. I thought they they concluded the trilogy as best as they could. But like you said, uh, there wasn't all those extra scenes uh, in there. That yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yes and no. I I agree with you on some parts. I can't speak for the vanilla ending because I never experienced it. I have some idea what it was like, and I can kind of understand from certain perspectives. But for me, at least, on the ending that I did get, I was pretty satisfied with the exception of a few things. And I really ended up liking Mass Effect 3 a lot more than I liked Mass Effect 2, to be honest. Uh, so take, yeah. take us through it. Uh, you, you failed to save the Geth, uh, and in order to save Tally from throwing herself off a cliff, you uh, you, you went with the organics on that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and it turned out turned out to be a wise decision, we'll get to the end of that. Uh, but yeah, pretty much I did all the shit that you need to do before you go to the final two missions, which is Cerberus Headquarters and then going to Earth. Welcome to Earth. Um, yeah. <laughs> so the first thing I wanted to do, of course, is the Citadel DLC. This is the DLC that you never experienced, right. Lee. Yeah. And uh, I can tell just right away this was maybe my favorite Mass Effect content in the entire trilogy. It uh, it earnestly felt like uh, Bioware was just like, like these guys clearly didn't get the closure and the time with these characters that, that they want. Because let's face it, Mass Effect and this is part of something I'll go into later, is not about the story and Reapers and shit. It's about the characters and about the relationships that they made. And these characters, like, in some cases, they absolutely do develop as characters, like Tali, for example, and her acceptance of the Geth, etc. But a lot of characters don't develop like, hugely. It's mostly about the bonds between uh, Shepard and them and all these other characters. So the Citadel DLC is like, what if we have two parts to it? The first part will be like, a fucking really fun action-adventure, low-stakes, like, like Mission Impossible thing. Then the second thing will just be a one big party with tons of unique dialogue, uh, and especially depending on who you saved in previous games and a bunch of other stuff. So you get into the first part of the DLC, where basically Anderson's just like, okay, like, you've been saving the galaxy for, like, fucking six years straight. You need to take a break before, like... You go and stop the Reapers. You have the access to my personal apartment. It's yours now. So it's just this big apartment. You can walk around. There's tons of codex there uh, talking about Anderson's origins. Like the first contact war, uh, him as a specter, uh, his opinion on the Normandy and Shepard and all this other stuff. And it was really fucking cool because he has like, He's just talking about how badass Shepard is, and you're just like, fuck yeah, Anderson. You're the best. Uh, spoiler Thank you, alert. David. But do, does Anderson die? Yes, yeah, he okay, does. Yeah, like, we'll at, get at into the beginning that, of three or like later. No, no, no. Right at the end. Oh shit! Right yeah, at right. the end. But we'll get into that later. Um, so this the DLC op- just opens with you at the apartment. You check it out, and then Joker calls you to come eat sushi. Uh, and it's highly advised you wear, especially if you're a femme chef or if you're a male chef, to wear like the fancy clothes. 
um, because your romance will be a part of this mission coming up. Anyway, you put on the fancy clothes and then you go to meet Joker for sushi at this bar and it's super cheesy because you cut in line in front of a ton of people and they're all like fucking pissed and you're like, dude, literally rapers are killing people by the billions right now and y'all are getting mad about the dude fucking cutting in a sushi place. Hilarious. Uh, you meet up with Joker and then fucking all of a sudden you're ambushed by like mercenaries and all you have is a pistol. So you're using like this pistol in a dress, like you're not in your armor, you're just in casual fucking clothes. And you're and you're going through like this gauntlet and then they shoot you through like an aquarium. You go through a bunch of other stuff, uh, your romance shows up, they'll, they'll make a unique dialogue remark if you're wearing your fancy clothes, like basically nice outfit. And like they'll get distracted for a second. Uh, you go through the level a bit more with your romance and then fucking Rex shows up and takes out an entire, uh, shuttle by himself just by like crashing through the roof and like headbutting people out of it and shit. And then Rex is just like, Hey, I was just here and it sounds like you're having fun. So I'm tagging along. So you get to play with Rex as an actual companion for like the rest of this particular part of the DLC. Bunch of shit happens and you meet all your other companions and you're all basically just, it's really quippy. And really, uh, it's like, it's like, yeah, it's a bit MCU-ish, I guess, before the MCU was really a thing. Um, so everybody's basically making lots of meta jokes and shit. And like, you have this one girl that's with you who's like you, who's ex- DLC exclusive girl. And she's like, I just saw you kill 120 people with a pistol. Shepard's like, uh, yeah, I guess when you put it that way, I did. Uh, and shit like that's really funny. What do you think about the consequence so, of your actions? I guess I did. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, you go through it, a bunch of quippy shit. You find out that uh, there's a clone of Shepard exactly matching oh, your Shepard. Yeah. And Scarlet they're like, Spider. they're like, yeah, they're basically like, oh, uh, like we were like, like the remains of you or some shit from like Mass Effect 2 and Cerberus made oh, me in case, in case you needed like an extra kidney or like. You needed like a heart transplant, like I'd be here. It's, uh, so I read like, a book like that in uh, grade three. <laughs> yeah, so the shepherd basically wants to kill you and take over the Normandy and be an asshole. Uh, and wait, basically, okay, hold on, hold on. Okay, this is where the fucking podcast grinds to a halt, and I apologize. What? They grew, they grew us. I, I at first thought this is the actual remains of Shepherd. Dude, this lasts like half an hour. You shouldn't put like any thought yeah. into it. Okay, it's so they grew like... <laughs> they grew an extra shepherd clone, and they didn't just grow it, him for it, parts because they gave they gave this shepherd uh, sentience. The shepherd knows that they've been they've been wronged, and now they want to become yeah, the real I, shepherd. But they, yeah, there was some bullshit about like they have like nothing but like indominate genes, so like they're like the shittiest <laughs> version of shepherd. Yeah, basically like liquid. Fuck. Uh, anyway. Uh, she like traps you in like this thing and she just goes, I should go like making fun of the meme. I should go. And then Shepard's just like, I don't really sound like that. Do I? That game was and then Rex and... Is that game memeing itself in real time then? Cause you're talking about something yes. that came out 11 years ago. Yes. Yes. It's memeing itself in real time back in the day. It's like the developers were hyper aware of it. Uh, like this is the only part of the game that does it though. It's just, and for good reason, it's a goofy DLC to begin with. It's like, it's like, uh, like old world blues for new vegas all right um so anyway you get out garris and like uh, anyway garris is my romance that's why i keep on mentioning garris uh you stop your clone and like you can try to save her but they'll just kill themselves anyway who gives a shit and then you just like and then everybody's just like let's just have a party before that you can go all around 
Uh, before that, you can go all around a new area in the Citadel called the Silverstone Strip, and there's a ton of mini-games. Um, there's a combat simulator for prizes. There's a casino where you can play a bunch of um, gambling games. There's a ton of shit. You get, out of, you get to have, hang out with like everybody that you saved in the previous three games, and you can have sh- uh, conversations with them, hang out with them, find out more about them. Like, fuck, uh, so Garrus is my romance. You go up to the bar, and you guys do, like, a tango dance, and you can, like, make James jealous and really rub it in his nose and shit. It's really fucking funny. And, uh, anyway, you go to the party, and the party is basically just, like, you can invite everybody that you saved in the previous three games. They all come to your apartment, and you can just spend basically three, there's, like, three different periods of time, and people get drunk as more periods go on. Like, eventually, Jacob and James are having a push-up contest, and Tali's, like, pushing them over and shit. And, like, Ashley and James are gonna bone. And, like, fucking Javik and Zaid are, like, shooting bottles from behind the bar and a bunch of dumb shit. Uh, you get to hang out with everybody. Grunt fucking is, like, having a shower because he's so drunk. That was pretty funny. A uh, bunch of dumb shit. And then, like, this, that's basically the DLC. It's, it's, I make it sound not great, but, tr- like, tr- trust me, it's fucking hilarious, and it's fun, and it's especially endearing if, if you've been playing, like, me, where you just fucking played three of these games in a row, and you love all these characters, and to see them in, like, not a life-or-death situation is so weird, but pretty cool. Anyway, the fact so- that the thing that they're doing immediately afterwards... Oh no, and that's the that that's the good part about it is like you're about to leave the DLC and basically Shepard's just like lean on the railing looking at Normandy and everybody's like, Well, I guess we're going back to like fighting the Reapers and risking our lives, eh? And Shepard's like, Yep. And uh they're like, It's been a hell of a good ride and Shepard just says the best and fucking ends with a really good song and then you go on with the with the game. And that's when I went on to the end of the game. Uh Cerberus headquarters, who gives a fuck? Nothing really important happens there. Uh, you go to Earth because you need to stop the Reapers by never, beaming up. You've never once mentioned the fucking ninja. Oh, Kai, Kai Ling? Kai Ling? Yeah, because well, who gives a fuck? It's Troy Baker and you blast him away in two seconds in his boss fight. So apparently fucking what? writers changed between Mass Effect 2 and 3 and then this people were criticizing uh, that character for being kind of like an, a self-insert or like, like an OC kind of like this ninja that shows up and just fucking best shepherd and his team and like uh people people were 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 calling mary sue on that character at one point uh but then you get, <laughs> well, you get anyway. to like cut their fucking head off if i remember correctly so uh you know turn about maybe you played renegade i was playing uh, mainly Pentagon. i was playing Pentagon, anyway. i still cut their head off <laughs> so you go to earth <laughs> and you go to earth and even before that i'm already like basically in fucking tears because like I can't stand that I'm leaving these characters and shit. Uh, so, go around, you talk to everybody, and they're all saying their goodbyes. Garrus's romance goodbye is so fucking heartbreaking. And he's just like, forgive the insubordination, but your boyfriend has an order for you. Don't die out there. You're like, God damn it, I'm gonna fucking die. And I, by the way, I know that my shepherd is gonna fucking die at this because I don't have enough war asset. Because I didn't fucking save the geth. Oh, right? Dude. Fuck this up. <laughs> yeah, so I know my shepherd's fucking doomed. Like, uh, or I, I, sorry, I don't know this until it's time to make the decision, but I have a very strong feeling because I just know at this point that you need 7,800 war asset to get the best ending. I learned after, like, when I was about to choose the endings that that's how you get the shepherd breeze cussing. Anyway, 
Which is fucking say goodbye. Say goodbye oh to Garrus. Oh my god. It's, okay, it's all coming back to me. Okay, keep going. Yeah. Talk to Garrus. Yeah. It's absolutely fucking. It's making me like ball. Like if you watch my stream of it on my or on my YouTube or whatever, I like I can't even like hold it together. I'm just like breathing heavy through my mic. Like, <laughs> so I played. <laughs> And fucking, like, it's so sad. Liara's thing is even, like, Liara grew on me. Like, really? did not like her at all in the first game. Second game, I was totally whatever. But by the third game, hanging out with her and everything, I was like, she's a good friend. Like, it's not, like, Rex close, but, you know, you know. She's, uh, she's good shit. Yeah, she's also, like, well-connected. She's, like, a, she's like a someone you want to keep good terms with. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So... Say goodbye to Tali, which was also really emotional because Tali's like my second favorite character after Garrus. Uh, give the really emotional speech to everybody about how we're going to save the fucking world and everything's costing lives. Do your airborne, like, ride note in front I, of the yeah, horse. I yeah. can't, yeah, and I'm unable to keep it together. I'm so there fucking just... When the strength of men fail, this <laughs> is not that day! <laughs> but there's Protheans and Turians and shit there. Anyway... So, uh, here's, here's just a side note. I know this part, this is the part where you're running at the laser, essentially. You do, like, waves of combat with some shit before this. But now you have to run to the beam that shoots you up to the crucible. Yes. Uh, and that's where, um, Harbinger's just blasting everything in front of you. So, um, what I understand from Vanilla is that there's no cutscene where your companions get hurt and you call for evac from Joker. They just kind of disappear. And I thought that was, I thought that was fucking hilarious. I'm like, that was in vanilla. That would make me so fucking angry. At a certain point, there's like there's like a save point or there's like a safe area right before that, and that's kind of the last time you talk to your teammates. And then there's there's just kind of no reference to them after that. Like there's they're just yeah yeah yeah. yeah. So you no at least in this at least in the extended edition which they released with DLC after no you're running I'm still running with Garrison Tolly and shit. Um, big Bean comes down and hurts uh, Garrus because he's my romance. You always want to have your romance in your party for these last two missions, by the way. Like, pretty, pretty much server's headquarters to Earth because you're always going to get special cutscenes with them. You had my love so, with you, too, if you had Tally with you. Yeah. So, shit. Um, so, shit. Crap, so, dive Pepsi. Tal so, Tali and... Uh, it's a water. Tali and Garrus get blasted by a laser, and Garrus is hurt. So you call in evac from Joker, sure. and this is where like you needed to have like a certain amount of Paragon or some shit to save everybody. Yeah. Anyway, I saved everybody. He's too busy eating sushi. Com and he misses the yeah, ball. it comes in. He comes in. He's picking up Tali and Garrus, and like this was like second saddest scene in the game after uh, Anderson's death coming up. Um, but Garrus is just like like you can't evac me, and Shepard's like, no, I have to. Uh, and Garrus is like, like hell you are. You're not going up there. And you're like, oh, I have to. Uh, and then you get this, you get this, oh man, Jennifer Hale's, I've seen both Mark Muir and Jennifer Hale's, uh, part for this, um, as far as different companions go, but Jennifer Hale just had completely fucking next level for this, but she basically, you can tell she's cracking up when she says like, I love you and I always will. The thing with Garrus is all two games, if you romanced him, never once has he ever said love you back. It's always just been Shepard saying it because Garrus is always trying to be like, the fucking sly, cocky cop character. But he finally says it, and it's, like, really emotional. I thought that was a very nice touch, especially if you've been romancing for two games. It's a very nice payoff to that relationship. I thought that was extremely well done by Bioware. Anyway, you fucking blitz it to the laser beam. You get beamed up, yeah. and you're like, I guess, I guess Harbinger just isn't a thing in this game, really. 
like such a big deal in Mass Effect 2. He was like, assuming control. Well, and in keeping with the Game of Thrones analogy earlier, it becomes clear that you just have to d deal with the nucleus here, deal with the 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 root cause and we don't have to worry about killing individual reapers is i guess right the, i just thought yeah. maybe we'd have like a quick boss fight with harbinger where you do take him down before you get to the beam or some shit because it was a yeah. big yeah punch <laughs> whatever um so then you get up to the control panel in the crucible to set it off that's when the elusive man stops you and he's like basically this was the confusing thing about the entire game because shepherd kept saying that the elusive man was indoctrinated, but the elusive man kept doing shit that didn't work with that. But it turns out like he was kind of indoctrinated and he kind of wasn't like he, he's sort of in control of his actions, but at the same time, he's not, I was content with it after, um, good performance by Martin Sheen here, I thought in general, but basically he controls you to shoot Anderson, but through the power of speech and a bunch of other shit, you eventually just stop the elusive man. He wanted to use, uh, you wanted to control the Reapers, which is part of one of the endings, which is, uh, it's fine. Um, but the really, yeah. but this, I thought this generally was the saddest part of the game because I knew like, i like, Shepard can't even fucking live here. There's no chance. Uh, Anderson's fucking dead. And like, this is the one character that like for the three games has basically been a farther figure essentially to Shepard in certain ways. I always thought Anderson, uh, Anderson's like... Yes, that's that's perfect. But also, Anderson is one generation away from being Shepard. Like, if Anderson was a few years younger and and came into this situation, like Anderson almost realizes that he can't do the thing, but Shepard has come along and will fill that those shoes and just puts his full support behind Shepard. The whole fucking trilogy. Uh, like yeah, Anderson's in like... your fucking court from like the minute one of those games, man. Yes, yes, exactly. He's always been in your corner. He's always been your number one fan. And it's like, the so when he says, like, so for the, if you're playing uh, a male shepherd, he'll say, I'm proud of you, son. And if you're playing a female shepherd, he'll say, I'm proud of you, child. Uh, I thought that was a nice touch, too. Um, fuck, what an incredibly sad cutscene. That's because it's just like, it, it's kind of like Mel Gear Solid 4 where you're in the microwave at the end where you're just like, fuck, Snake has just been through so much bullshit. Like, he's just just one more crawl, Snake. Fuck, come on. And that's exactly what I felt with Shepard here, which is just like, fuck me. Shepard has been fighting waves of enemies for fucking 120 hours straight. This woman needs a break. Uh, so you go up there and you meet the kid AI... Uh, okay, so let's stop here wait, wait. and talk about when the original ending came out with the kid AI and the kid at the beginning of the game and the codex entries. We have to talk about this. I'm sure you've researched it a little bit and you have your thoughts on it. Uh, but when all those extra scenes weren't in there, people were doing the, okay, there's, there's deeper meaning here. Bioware buried uh, some deeper meaning in this ending. They must have. It can't really be this shit. And uh, one of the theories was that Shepard has been indoctrinated since some point in the second game, and that a lot of what Shepard experiences and sees is 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 not real, and that you're not in full control of your your decisions, and that while they might seem like the right decisions for mankind and whatnot, you are just following a script. Reed, what do you feel I, about these conspiracy theories? I, I absolutely don't fucking buy into it when one of the endings you can choose is destroy, which destroys all the fucking Reapers. It makes zero sense when you, can, when you think about it like that. And the biggest point of evidence for this is the, is the elusive man, which happened just before this, because he was like almost fully indoctrinated. And if Shepard was too, she would follow under the same conditions. The child said, 
the Lusa man was indoctrinated, we wouldn't have let him use it. Just like if Shepard was truly indoctrinated, they would have said, we won't let you use it. But, but she did. Shepard's she destroyed all the Reapers. The Reapers are going to tell Shepard whatever they want to tell Shepard. No, but then but then you have to consider the, the destroy ending is just some like thought in Shepard's head, and then it's not canon, and it's not even happening right in real time. Well, I mean, ultimately that is. will be the case, right? Okay, so yeah, let's it, run through the endings. Sorry. Anyway, yeah. the endings, at least for the expanded, there's four. There's refusal, where you just refuse all options given to you, and then the Shep the Reapers basically just kill everybody. That's it. That's the end. So Reapers win. Um, yeah. yeah. There's synthesis synthesis, synthesis. ending where <laughs> yeah. all organic and synthetic life f merge together. I haven't even watched this on YouTube because I thought it sounded dumb as fuck and some neon Genesis bullshit. Okay, so where they're like, I went through uh, all three endings that were presented in the original game, and uh, if I remember correctly. People really compare say just oh it changes the color of light because it just kind of tells you okay synthetic life uh, is going to be combined uh, everybody's going to be half robot it's going to be a, a world of androids living forever fucking looking good uh, this will be fantastic and then it doesn't really show you the outcome of that uh, yeah. so it's just it, it's same with the destroy ending it's really just a implication uh, and I think that's the bummer it's just like okay all my decisions have led up to them being like this is what will happen and then not showing the fallout of that at all because that's another game they could make um, yeah there was there's definitely some there, there's definitely a bunch of cutscenes after for at least for the ending that I chose anyway so there's the control ending where Shepard will basically become the child AI and be in full control of the Reapers and it varies depending if you're Paragon or Renegade if you're Renegade it'll be more of an Iron Fist rule like I will force peace upon the entire universe and if anybody gets out of line I'll fucking wipe them out if you're Paragon, it's more like a, I will guide everybody and show them new technological advances. I will broker pre peace beyond uh, before, uh, between all races, etc. Um, so depending on your view, that could be the best ending. It just kind of sucks for Shepard because they lose their personality uh, and they become this thing. And then there's the classic and probably most popular destroy ending, which will destroy all synthetic life in the galaxy. And this is why I said... I didn't really end up regretting not saving the Geth, Geth as much anymore anyway. because because this would kill them anyway. It kills Edie too, which I was super mad. I, I didn't think about Edie when I was making this choice. When I was going oh, to the app, yeah, when I was when I was going to the scene after yeah. and showing the memorial on the Normandy and said Edie, I was like, no, Edie, fuck. Okay, so um, what's the before we get too far here? The child AI. Talk more about that. What do you know about the child AI? Because I'm I don't remember the justification of a small child that looks like the child. They were just taking. The game. They were just taking the form of like whatever okay. is in Shepard's memory. I remember that being fuck. in the I'd, codex entry for the indoctrination, and it's just like. The person will start seeing ghosts and, like, hearing noise. And then there's, like, a bunch of... I just remember watching these videos and being like, yeah, okay. This is it. This is it's interesting. Just, but... Like, it's a cool... It's, it's, it's exactly what you say it is. It's a cool theory, but it's not what it actually is. Like, because you can destroy... The destroy ending is probably going to be the canon one, too. Well, okay, so um, is it only the destroy ending that destroys the mass relays? Yes, it destroys the mass relays, it destroys all synthetic life, and then you basically get a bunch of cutscenes where uh, Anderson's like, we're going to rebuild them, it shows uh, Joker and the entire crew surviving the crash on the jungle planet, 
fixing the ship and then taking off. It shows them putting up Shepard's memorial in the Normandy. Garrus does it because he's my romance, which was super fucking sad. And then if you had enough war asset, you would get the best ending, which I did not, which is just a cutscene after the credits where it shows a pile of rubble and you hear Shepard breathe. I got that ending. Uh, yeah, so that is what I consider going to be like the canon ending going forward. Um, I don't think, like, especially in the Mass Effect 4 game or whatever you want to call it coming out, that the Reapers are going to be around. As you can see in the background of the trailer, there's a dead Reaper on the planet. Therefore, the destroy ending is probably the canon ending, thus invalidating any bullshit theories of Shepard being secretly indoctrinated. I mean, the, also, I, they killed a lot of Reapers before the destroy ending happened. So you they, can't they killed like say three. That. Yeah. <laughs> they killed like three that's Reapers. still three Reapers, Reed. <laughs> Anyway, and I personally don't like it on an emotional level because I think it invalidates a lot of Shepard's characteristics, which is an iron will and this determination that cannot be broken by any means. Um, I really like the the heroic message of that as opposed to like this weird theory where they might be indoctrinated even though they let you destroy their entire fucking race. Like – you could your theory could then be that like Shepard is not fully indoctrinated and does still choose the destroy ending. I don't know. It's been over ten years since I fucking played this ending. Yeah, so. if 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 that is the case, and there's just like, but Shepard in the end does resist, and they can choose the destroy ending. That be that is sure, but uh, it just the evidence in my mind because of what they said about the elusive man, how they would have never let him control them. Uh, it leads me to believe that Shepard wouldn't be any exception to that rule either. Therefore, they're not indoctrinated. Um, keep in mind that you have to have like prolonged exposure to Reaper technology, yeah. exposure to Reaper technology, like Saren with his ship Sovereign, yeah, and then sure. the elusive man. Uh, I we find out through Kodak, whatever, that he found um, Reaper tech when he was in the first contact wars. So uh, he's already been exposed to it for years and years and years, as opposed to Shepard, who has not been like near Reaper stuff for a prolonged period. Their, their indoctrination would not be incredibly believable, in my opinion. So anyway, uh, I was fucking just losing my mind and crying the whole time during this goddamn ending. Uh, really love Shepard. One of those games where you like the main character more than anybody else, even though you control a lot of their choices. Not unlike Witcher 3, I thought. Uh, absolutely fucking great. Um... Do you prefer do you prefer a dead shepherd? Like narratively, not not your own feelings of like uh, yes, I want my shepherd to be alive so they can kiss Garrus yeah. on the mouth again. But like <laughs> but like do you do you like the idea of the hero has has died to save everyone or do you like the idea of shepherd possibly coming back in a role in a future game? That's uh, I like the idea of I setting think, a map. I think it, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I, think it, I think it does fit better with the story if Shepard stays dead. And then, like, the next game could just be a lot of, like, Shepard died saving everybody. They were this, they were that. Because, like, it wouldn't be quite... Because as far as we know, this is not going to take place when Shepard's still alive. Because it's... Liara can live fucking hundreds and thousands right. of years. And she's the only character we were shown. So it'd be it would be lamer in my opinion, lamer quote unquote. If next if next game they were like Shepard saved the entire galaxy and died, except she didn't, and then she kind of just chilled out for like I don't know thirty years, and then she passed away from old age. Like it doesn't sound as epic, I guess, in that way. It's that, that fucking Picard show. It's like Picard retired to a farm to presumably die of old age, except now we need another story. So we're busting a sixty year old Shepard out of retirement. It's like, like unless Shepard serves as the Anderson role. 
in 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 a in a near oh, future Mass Effect game. Yeah, that that'd be that'd be hard because so many people have their own versions of Shepard yeah, in their head. I'm sure. Absolutely. Um, it'd be it'd be really what would be really neat if you could import your legendary edition like Shepard to it. That'd be kind of fucking neat. Um, anyway. Anyway, so that's yeah. basically the that's basically the Mass Effect trilogy, uh, Mass Effect Three. Overall, for it, um, I liked a lot of things in Mass Effect Three. I thought overall the gameplay was a lot more tight than Mass Effect Two. I liked the simple the simplification of using your teammates' abilities through the E and Q buttons, at least on keyboard. The Xbox Connect. Um, yeah, I very much enjoyed the smaller roster of companions. Uh, it felt a lot more manageable in my opinion, especially talking to everybody and making sure all their dialogue was exhausted. Um, I did like the war asset system in theory. I really do like the feeling of like, Oh, I, and I did scan every fucking planet, by the way, hundred yeah, percent, everything. Um, and I got every war asset and I really like that feeling of like, Oh, you brokered a deal with the Krogans and the Turians. Now you get like a bunch of fucking war asset. I really like that feeling. The multiplayer is not in there. Cause that was a cool way to boost that number. And also like the multiplayer was perfectly fun. Like, um, and then, but there's a bunch of things about the war asset that I didn't like how it rendered some things feeling a bit meaningless. And as far as like, you know, the rack and I go, um, you get like a bit le- you get like a bit more war asset if you destroyed the collector base in Mass Effect 2 as opposed to keeping it alive. Besides that, that decision didn't matter a whole lot from what I understand. Um, so that was kind of the good and bad about that. Um, I like the weapon upgrade system. I disliked very much how they handled the wep- the mission log essentially. How you could overhear a conversation and people are like, oh, go get this thing for me on this fucking planet. And it wasn't in its own section on the missions like called like fucking fetch quests or side quests or whatever you want to call it. Navigating through what missions were essential, which ones weren't was a very stressful situation, especially because there's so many things in Mass Effect 3 where it's like, oh, you got to do this before you do that to make sure you maximize how much war asset you get. Uh, so in that regards, it's good and bad. It feels like you really want to follow a guide to make sure you're maximizing your potential of the game which I think isn't, I don't know, like, I don't want to play the game again just to see the other side of it. And I know some people will, but, like, I don't know if I'm ever going to come back and play these games again is the thing. They're very long, uh, story-heavy games, and when you know the story, it's not as fun going through it a second time. Um, overall, play such a, ba- a role that it, unless you were intentionally just doing the opposite of everything you did the first time, uh, it it's not like people will disagree, but it's not a replayable game in that sense, uh, or trilogy because yeah. you're you're gonna want to play all three. You're not just gonna start at three. You're gonna start from one and go through all that rigmarole again. Yeah. So overall, though, for the Mass Effect trilogy, I absolutely do. I absolutely do see why people regard this in such high, uh, in high esteem because you don't see. I don't want to say you don't see a lot of games like this these days. Um, but it's unique to have just like a classic, what, what it felt like that era of, of, uh, companionship, like you'd see in, I don't know, like, like KOTOR, fuck. Um, it's, it's hard to put into words. It's like, the story is totally like fucking whatever. Like I get less than two shits about the Reapers, but, uh, just like the archetypes of the characters, them respecting Shepard, uh, Shepard being like, 
a very competent, respected uh, protagonist as opposed to someone that you need to build up to that point was a really nice change of pace right off the bat. Uh, res- you know, serviceable gameplay, absolutely. Uh, and then just like, yeah, the, the deep world building that they had set up this very believable universe and believable characters. It's was I was very pleased to have played the entire trilogy. I'm really glad that I did, but I don't know if I'll ever play it again because, man, that took a lot out of me. Was, we had that eureka moment where we're like, yeah, it is just... So they set this diorama, and then they put these really well-written characters that can exist now in this world that they have built, and that is the shining... That is the reason to play these games, straight up. And yes. that's why people are willing to return to Mass Effect is that world is always going to be like the same there and like set more games yeah, in this universe please kind yeah of it's yeah. it's almost the exact same situation with the witcher uh I, in some regards like the this actual main story of the witcher heart like the dlc stories are really good but the actual main story of the witcher like rescuing siri from the elves like, is totally like fucking whatever it's the side stories it's the characters mm-hmm. it's it's the respected main protagonist it's uh, the wonderful writing and then like the fucking gameplay is just serviceable who gives a shit but you keep coming back for the for the characters and for the moments it's always just there's good a, shit there's that really. post credit scene where there's like a dad talking to a son do you know what I'm talking about? oh with uh, Buzz Aldrin yeah and it's just like talking about the shepherd or whatever it's meant to be like in the far future like this is now just a legend that this person saved the universe from being wiped out or whatever and that yeah. The, uh, the other implication being that they're they're talking about space travel as if it's a thing from a distant era, and that maybe with the mass relays going down, it could be hundreds of years before far space travel is is viable again. And we talked about that being an interesting a point of time to to place a game where suddenly all these soldiers that were fighting on Earth, aliens and humans combined, can't get home to their home planets and their families. Uh, who will just perish before they're ever able to see them again. No, and uh, that would be honestly a really fun Mass Effect 4 is, like, you're just trying to, like, stop, like, I don't know, like, a bad corporation from taking over a single planet or something. Yeah. Like, because uh, people can't move around. So it's just like, okay, it's it's Wild West. It's it's fucking martial law. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's just like, let's just go within the in the single system. Like, it's just set within a single system yeah. as opposed to the entire galaxy. But dude, I, like, I, how I simple would it be? It's just, like, Garrus a fucking earth cop like here society's falling apart on earth no one can leave spaceships are all fucked up uh synthetics are are gone so people have to work real jobs now because there's no robots to do it for them there's a lot of cool things you can just you can spitball about in that world but i would also be fine with setting something prior to the whole reaper thing like set it a a decade before the shepherd crisis and just have it be anything yeah Yeah. what Whatever you do, though, just, like, no more, like, universe-ending, like, stakes. Like, it's, after three games, it's just, like, it's just, like, man, like, we need to have, like, a smaller story here. It's the same thing that can be said of superhero fucking movies. It's just, like, keep it simple. It doesn't need to be the, the fate of the fucking Earth at all at all given times. Uh, tell tell yeah. the, the little stories, and that's the stuff you remember mostly from Mass Effect anyways. And it's, you know, it's a shame they never made another Mass Effect game. Uh, Reed, did you, are you going to play Andromeda? Are you going to try it? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I, I always try to play like the first hour and it just doesn't ever grab me like the way I hope it does. Uh, it's not like we, and I think a big part of that is the main character. I think a big reason why you play Mass Effect is because you're starting in, in the Rose of Shepard, this fucking badass N7 unit. 
uh, he d- immediately demands respect. And then you go to Andromeda, you're playing Ryder, and everybody's like, oh, you got to prove yourself. And like, fuck you, you piece of shit. Oh, I'm the captain. Got Why, where's, <laughs> yeah, where's my option to like kick these people off the fucking team? Like, uh, that's something I really hope games in the future start doing. One thing I really love about Baldur's Gate 3, which I'm playing right now, is um, if you do enough actions that you're not all your companions share the same morals and things they like. They're all united by a common goal of to cure their illness, but they don't like each other and they don't like the same things and they have different morals. Mm. So you can have a mix of them in your party and doing certain things will approve, like will they will approve of and so, for some of them and other ways they'll disapprove of it. If you piss them off enough or if you like someone too much, other people might just fucking leave your game and you'll never see them again. Likewise, you can fucking just kill them instead of uh, talking to them and recruiting to them if you don't, like, roll correctly or you're not saying the right things to them. And I think that's the next step with these kinds of games, and I think that's what Mass Effect needs to do, is have a dynamic party system. Uh, Because, like, there's, like, fucking Ashley, I would just, like, do so many things to make her leave, and that'd be hilarious and fun and awesome. And I think that'd be... Yeah, and I think I think that's what they should focus on these Mass Effect games. Is that's why people play them is for the companions and the squad, and I think that was another big failing in Andromeda is the squad's boring as fuck. Liam sucks. Chorus sucks. Shit. Yeah, I mean you Mass like uh, you, you're a guy who yeah fucking Mass Effect. Whoa, uh, you are a guy who likes Anthem. Uh, so at least you could think of Andromeda as the stepping stone between Mass Effect and Anthem, because uh, they got like <laughs> Jukin and they got like jetpacks in that game. Uh, which, which, and remember the game. The game. We have to. Uh, we have to say again. Historically, if you played Andromeda at launch, it was very buggy, like cyberpunk level. NPCs floating through things, texture maps not loading up, uh, like crashing unplayably buggy when it came out. Which was for a Mass Effect Bioware EA game was like, what the fuck is this? And people have since obviously they they did some work to it. They had DLC planned for it. They canceled it. Uh, so that game's just kind of t- take it or leave it. Uh, it tells a story that at least takes place so far away and is so unimportant uh, that you can just keep making Mass Effect games in the near universe and and probably it can just be forgotten. I don't think they would ever need to justify Andromeda. They never need to bring it up again unless they're just going to be like uh, a piece of dialogue somewhere in the game where it's just like, yeah, all the arc ships blew up. One of them landed and uh, uh, was doing pretty good, tried to uh, establish a human colony all the way out there, but then uh, they just died too. They're just... They're just wiped out or whatever. I don't. Yeah, I don't remember the Ma- name of the uh, the person. Uh, Rider, Rider, maybe. No, that. Can't yeah, be yeah. Uh, just make Mass Effect Four. An arc comes back to like a particular system, and they're like, "Hey, it's been you know six hundred years." And Liar shows up because she's an Asari, and she's just like, "Oh, hey, I was with this person named Shepard, and they saved the universe. Unfortunately, it turned everything into the Wild West, and now we have ourselves in space." Da, da, yeah. Da. Yeah, and then yeah. basically you just like go to fucking systems and you make them not full of renegades it's or whatever. Indiana Jones, it. they're looking for they they're looking for some MacGuffin to restore the mass relays. That's it. That's all you need to know. And they're like, hey, yeah, and they're like, once we have all the mass relays, we'll steal all the money somehow. <laughs> we'll take a mass relay directly into the bank vault and steal all the gold. Yeah, uh, we'll 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 steal all the technology and sell it on the black market. That'll great. Now they yeah or it's, it's rough. Man. We'll take over the we'll take over the mass relays and we'll charge everybody per use. Oh fuck! No the the mass relays. Yeah, now you're thinking. Yeah. that's the that's the way to go. Um, yeah, yeah. 
All right. Well, Mass Effect. Read any final thoughts on Mass Effect that you haven't already uh, conveyed here. Um, can this wait a bit? I'm working on some calibrations. Oh my god. Uh, we've we've kind of uh, touched on all these points, but yes, the the reason to play Mass Effect is the atmosphere, the world building, uh, the nooks and crannies, as it were, and the relationships with the characters. The main plot serviceable. People got way too upset. Uh, about how it initially wrapped up, but it did sound like they elaborated on the things people kind of complained about. Uh, and in retrospect, yeah, adding those extra scenes with your companions, adding that Citadel DLC and stuff like that, probably would have given a lot of people a little more closure on that game, uh, myself included. I guess I don't think back on Mass Effect in a sour way. I just think like you that I've I've played my Shepherd. I've gone through these experiences. Uh, I I really it's not a replayable game for me. Otherwise. But then you hear other people are replaying that game every two years, every year, and going through the whole all three of them, and you're just like, how? how yeah, you... I, I, yeah, I couldn't do that. It's the reason why I don't replay Personas, if anything, uh, especially because halfway through it, you're just going to get bored. Like me with Mass Effect 2, when I was done that, I did not want to play Mass Effect 3 for months. Um, but I hate leaving those games halfway through and then coming back and be like, what the fuck was I doing? I'm not as invested with these characters anymore because I've spent less time with them. Um, it's it's much easier playing like a Final Fantasy every couple of years because those are like 40-hour games when you want them to be. You don't need to do all the extra side quests to make sure that you get the good cutscenes. You kind of just play the game and you get to the end. Not saying that like that's a bad thing for Mass Effect. That's its strongest suit is its uniqueness in a lot of those respects. But it just lends itself to being a very fatiguing experience when you want to get the most out of it. Well, you can't go back to Ghost of Tsushima and finish it now, because the ending won't be as impactful. You'll, you'll have forgotten what it means to lose your honor, Reed. Yeah, yeah, I gotta, like, replay the game from the fucking beginning, but once I get to where I am again, like every I'm just get bored. Yeah, uh, yeah that's, why, that's why pacing is so fucking important, and that's why God of War 2018 is still, like, the best game, because that pacing is perfect. Yeah. Get perfect! Perfect!